I don't mind that being like, oh, I, I thought you were just a dick for no reason, but you're a dick because Gotham is like that. Yeah. <laughs> because Gotham is the worst place on earth. And what this fool got more comics than a motherfucker? Hello, and welcome to MCMF, the comic book podcast where I try to get you, dear listener, into the wonderful world of comic books by making my friends read those books. Uh, My name is Marcus, Mr. Summers if you are nasty. Uh, Joining me on this episode to talk about... New 52 Teen Titans. It's Chloe. How you doing, Chloe? I hate you so much. <laughs> I I knew a very small amount about this story arc beforehand from you having told me about it, but actually reading it, oh, it is so much worse was like than the most infuriating experience I've ever had reading a comic. It was legitimately worse than I remembered it being. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this story stinks. And, I rem- and reading it, I was like, oh. Oh no, this this book is a war crime. <laughs> this book is atrocious. Uh, for those of you that are uh, you know, pretty regular listeners of this show, you'll remember that all the way back on episode two of this show, I said New 52, I talked about New 52 Red Hood and the Outlaws. And I said that, well, it's not New 52 Teen Titans, which is its own can of worms. This book is a bucket of worms. This book is Worm City. It is so bad. Uh, I made sure to listen to the Red Hood and the Outlaws episode this weekend, like, in preparation to record this. Mm -hmm. And it was like... (laughs) <laughs> Y'all ended up talking about this comic so much in that episode. It's it's just there's so much spillover. It because it's the same writer and at first or at one point it is the same art. Um so this was this book is initially written by Scott Lobdell uh with art from uh Brett Booth. Uh at some point I believe Kenneth Rocafort does do uh art duties. He might just fill in. Uh, and this arc is drawn by Eddie Barrows, who I think generally I like Eddie Barrows' stuff. Like he's he's drawn some Batman stuff that I liked, um, but his this is not his best work. Uh, I'll tell you that for free. Um, I was gonna say of Brett Booth and Eddie Barrows, I don't know which of them I hate more. Brett Booth book. and Kenneth Rocafort, uh, their art both looks like very pointy very jagged uh there's just something with the faces in the barrels art here like everybody's body looks like relatively normal uh their faces all look like hell um so there is um in this first episode or in this first issue that we're gonna read it like ends with um tim doing like this creepy evil smile so you know that he's evil tim except throughout the entire book every single smile 
from Looks Tim like and Miguel has been super creepy, like plastic Joker evil face. Like so, the amount they have to like distort him to be like this is the evil smile. It's so much. Yeah, this is the infamous Tim Drake releases his inhibition storyline. Uh, <laughs> this book stinks. Um, so uh, I talked about it on the on the Red Hood episode. The New 52 was a failure, and I say that because in 2015, they were already getting ready to roll it back um, following the Convergence event, uh, and then Rebirth happened. And Rebirth, like if somebody wants to get into recent DC comics, I tell them to start a Rebirth. Um, throw the baby out with the bathwater on this one. Um, They're like, oh, we gotta find a way out of this. Like... Even the stories that I think are good, like, um, you know, uh, the Snyder Capullo uh, Batman stuff is really good, uh, but, like, it's not worth the really bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, the issue with this, and I I went and I found an interview from Scott Lobdell. uh, I also looked up a Lobdell interview. (laughs) uh, I, I had to... Like, it really sums up, like, what the idea was at this point in time and why this was, like, so prevalent. But the idea was to, like, on paper, the idea is make streamline things for these characters uh, so that their origins are easier to follow, so that uh, it's easier for a new reader to pick up, um, you know, to pick up and go. Right? On paper, I completely understand the idea. I, 100%. The problem is that they just... They decided... In addition to streamlining a lot of these characters' origins... We're going to change a lot of these characters' origins. And not only are we going to change their origins... We're going to change their their personalities, like, fundamentally. We're going to make them different people. Uh, and that's that's going to help us attract new readers. And in some cases, it's metaphorical. Like, Tim Drake, his personality changes a lot. Um, And so it's like, it's hard to say that this Tim and Tim from just a couple years earlier are the same guy. In other cases, like Khan and Bart, they are just different people now. Khan, Bart, Raven. And in some cases, like, if the idea is... We are going to make these characters more accessible. It stands the question, why did they make so many of them unrecognizable from their most recognizable forms? Because we're reading issues 17 through 22 of this, uh, of New 52 Teen Titans, I should add. Um, you know, the, the story I mentioned. On the cover for that, there is Raven, who, if I didn't know that that was Raven, I, you, I would have never guessed that that's Raven. I will say, I do actually like this Raven design. I think the design is fine. Like, you keep pieces of the silhouette. But if I'm a person walking by, like, in a store, like, say I'm in a, my local comic store, or I'm in a Barnes & Noble, and I'm like, oh, I remember I liked the Teen Titans TV show. I'm not picking this book up and going, oh, that's clearly Raven. Oh, for sure. It's it's definitely not recognizable as Raven right away, but mm-hmm. I, I do I do like it. Yeah, I, I think this design is okay. Um, I also don't like that they 
they brought like they were like, hey, Teen Titans, let's stick with the most recent generation of Teen Titans, but also bring Raven and Beast Boy in halfway through as if they are new characters. What the fuck? Um, Which, that gets into um, something you talked about in the other episode, which is they couldn't decide whether there had been previous Teen Titans teams, and then they changed their mind about it. Yes. Uh, Because in Red Hood and the Outlaws number one, Roy is like, hey, Starfire, do you remember Garth Logan? Yeah, and she's like, nope. No. And then you get in this issue, and it's like, hey, here's Garth, who has never met anyone Garfield. before. Oh, Garfield, I'm yeah, sorry. They've never met anyone. This is the first time anyone has ever met Raven. Um, they couldn't make up their minds, because in the first printing of this book, uh, issue one of this, Tim refers to previous incarnations of the Titans. But then in the second printing, they wrote that out. They remove all references to previous Titan teams. They decided, okay, never mind. This is actually going to be uh, the first incarnation of them. Uh, Scott Lobdell. Weird choice. Yeah, very choice. Very weird choice. He makes a lot of weird choices. Uh, famously, he uh, gave an interview uh, to Comic Vine. I had to go find this. Because I knew that it existed, and it, I knew that it pissed me off. But I had started to, like, gaslight myself. <laughs> and, like, think that I made it up in my hatred. He, here's an excerpt, because he got a lot of pushback. Because issue zero of this book gives Tim a new origin, which has changed slightly. He's older when he finds, um, when he discovers uh, that Dick Grayson is night or is Robin... Uh, he's, um, his parents are both alive for some reason. It's very strange. Like, they make a lot of weird, unnecessary changes. Also, he decided to, instead of being Robin and then becoming Red Robin after Damien, uh, after Dick picks Damien to be his partner, uh, Tim just is always Red Robin. He never takes the Robin name. He never wears, like, the regular R or the, the red and green costume. He was only Bruce's partner for about a year, as opposed to the close to five years that he was his partner before. Like, a lot of people were very irritated by it. And so... Go ahead. It just makes it, like, confusing. Yes. Like, I get they want to, like... Like, if you're doing... If you're looking at it from, like, a branding perspective, it's like, okay, we want Tim to be Red Robin. We'll just have it that he has always been Red Robin. That makes sense from, like, a brand perspective. But if you're actually, like, a reader, it's like, no, Tim is the third Robin. That's, like, what he's known for. Right. It's like, this dude was Robin longer than anybody but Dick Grayson. What do you mean? He he just skipped that. Like, there's there's a, a comic that ran for 16 years called Robin, and for all but, like, four months of that, that refers to him. Mm-hmm. Like, what it's do like you mean they, that didn't happen? It's like if they rebooted fucking Wally and they were like, oh, his name was never Flash. His name is Zippy. <laughs> it's like, no, he was Flash for like 20 years. He, like, he fuck was off. Flash famously for like 25 years. What do you mean? I mean, what they did with Wally instead was that they just wrote Wally out. Wally is gone. Wally I'm does sorry. not... He... I don't, I don't think they bring Wally back as we know him until, like, 2016. They just ignore him. 
And then when they were like, oh, we brought back Wally West, it was Wallace, the cousin with the same name. Like, they they were very, like, deliberate with a lot of choices. Um, they didn't bring back Wally Wally till like... Till, like, convert Fucking... To, like, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, LaBelle gave this interview the... to Comic Vine. I'm sorry. He says, uh, to that end, I think Tim Drake fans can rest comfortably that most of the stories they've read remain canon, even if they have to adjust their thinking to the way they remember those stories playing out. Again, I know this makes some people see red, but people need to keep in mind that I was hired to write stories for the New 52, not just transcribe stories from the past and add an iPhone or pop culture reference in the dialogue. I can, I am confident that most people will enjoy the origin if they read it with an open mind. I, I read the same interview. <laughs> the fact that he's like, oh, you can rest easy. The old stories still exist. I just retconned them and I made, just made them, them different. Completely different with, like, added context. I, I made Tim a different person. I gave him a different personality, but those stories still happen. It's like, no, they didn't, because you guys had to retell Tim meeting Stephanie. You know, his biggest supporting character for, for 25 years. Uh, it's like... He's like game devs when they're like, oh yeah, you can just play the old You can play game. the game. You can play the new se- the sequel uh, without playing the first one. It's like, no, clearly I can't. Don't lie to me. Um, um, and before he... we... Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. We are the most awkward bitches. Okay. I was gonna <laughs> say, before we get into the actual story arc that we're reading, did you want to like... I kind of wanted to like briefly run over like the other arcs that I read before like yes as... yes because I, I did tell you I did give you a little bit of homework I said to uh to read some of the previous run of Teen Titans Teen Titans volume three which uh concluded at the end of new 52 it ran for a hundred issues and it, it kind of featured primarily the same characters we're going to talk about today because I wanted you to really get a feel for how different those characters are uh versus the versions of them that people had read and had been reading up until they rebooted everything. Mm-hmm. And that also goes into a point that y'all made in the Red Hood episode, which is a lot of these characters that they drastically changed were characters that were like actively being major participants in stories right up until the reboot. Mm-hmm. So, like, Teen Titans New 52 number one comes out. Fucking two weeks ago, Tim was doing something else. Right. It's, yeah. Like, Tim and, like, specifically the arc I had you read, I don't know exactly which ones you read after that, but the arc I had you read, I wanted you to get a feel for what Tim and Cassie's dynamic is like. Um, Yeah, the, the volume three arc I read was... It was right after Final Crisis, so Superboy, like, sacrifices himself to stop Superboy Prime. (sighs) Fucking crises. They love that name convention. uh, Final Crisis, the one where Batman gets uh, seemingly killed uh, with the uh, fucking anti-life equation. Then Infinite Crisis, where Superboy Mm. sacrifices himself to stop Superboy Prime. And it's like Tim and Cassie, like, grieving over him, basically. And also Cyborg wakes up from a coma. 
which I don't remember when he went into that coma. I was reading that. I remember when I first read that issue, I was like, what the fuck is happening? They were just in space, I guess. And then it was like one year later. It's, it's a lot. Um, but like Tim and Cassie in their shared grief, uh, like do like kind of get together for a while. And they both have experienced a lot of like, like they have their shared Connor grief. They're shared the entire city of Bloodhaven grief. Um, you know, uh, like a lot happened. And so they, as people who were best friends, also their, their grief that Bart's not around anymore. Like Bart's alive, but he's the flash. He's grown up without them. And so they're like the two that are left from young justice and their incarnation of the Titans. They're the only two that are kind of remaining. Like everyone else who's on the team at that point are new people. You know, it's uh, it's Kid Devil, um, Ravager, Ravager, who is horny and uh, nothing else. Yeah, um, the the thing is about Rose. She one was whitewashed for twenty years. They just forgot that she's Cambodian, uh, and two, at one point they decided that her character would be that she only knows how to make people like her through fucking but that's not ever like said that's like something that you can infer from her behavior but it's not something that they're like pushing as a character trait for her um it's just she's naked a lot yeah she makes a lot of passes she gets drunk and she tries to fuck tim like it's exhausting. It's it is a lot to, to go back to, but Tim and, and Tim and Cassie have this very earnest bond as friends who uh, eventually do try to be in a relationship. And Cassie very quickly goes, "Oh, we don't work like this." Because and in that arc, they go from like kind of at each other's throats because Tim like disappeared for like a year long training mission. And Cassie was, like, left on her own to, like, grieve Superboy by herself. Mm-hmm. So they're, like, at each other's throats, but then they kind of, like, come back together over the Titans with Vic, and they come together over Gar being with the Doom Patrol, and they, like, come back together and realize that they are both still hurting from the same things and that they can, like, help each other. And they kiss, and then they're like, that was a mistake. Yeah, and then they do... Like, in the immediate issues after that, they do try to, like, be in a relationship. And I think this lasts for, like, two or three issues. And Cassie's like, nope, doesn't work. Does not work. We are too awkward to make out. Yeah. Um, And you can read into their shared Connor trauma, their shared Connor grief, however you would like to, especially now. Um, You know. We're going to get into New 52 Connor also. Oh, you want to talk about a character who's a different person? Um, speaking of the other homework that I did that I assigned myself, is I read the first, I think, five issues of New 52 Teen Titans. So I read 17 through 22, and then I went back and read 1 through 5, because I thought it would make things a little clearer. And I I don't want to get crucified, but like issues one through five, I kind of didn't hate. 
they're not awful. They're just there. It's like, if you can put aside that they have completely, like, trashed the characterization and dynamics of these existing characters, it's like, it's kind of a fun little story where it's like, Tim is like, hey, there's, like, teen metahumans are getting hunted down because they're vulnerable. I'm gonna, like, throw together a ragtag group to, like, help them. And then they, like kind of have like a kind of I like I kind of like the Tim and Cassie interactions in like issues one through five it's kind of like she's like kind of abrasive and like doesn't really like him that much but then she's still kind of like well you're doing like a good thing I'll help you I guess yeah um and Connor is a weirdo uh and so Cassie they give Cassie this weird connection to Trigon that doesn't make any sense they like do like this whole flashback issue in the story we're about to talk about but it's like Cassie's new origin is that she's just like a museum robber at 16 and like her her big score is that she found some like spooky space armor that was created to fight Trigon like eons ago and also it's evil it's like that's that's Cassie (laughs) it's very dumb it's like yeah Wonder Girl what do you mean Themyscira what do you mean Wonder Woman right yeah it's like before she was like a very big fan of uh like the the idea was that she was a very big fan of Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl and then later finds out that her dad is Zeus. Later finds out is code for Redcon. Redcon. No, they do hint at it very early. Oh like you the reader find out way before she finds out. Um but yeah they make everybody into different characters and Labdell's point about how he's like oh you know I'm not just supposed to transcribe these stories and you know put a you know an iPhone in that's what he that's almost exactly what he actually does he rewrites the (laughs) same like stories that existed already with characters who didn't at the time and then makes them worse because this story is just the terror of Trigon again but this time it sucks (laughs) um so we might as well we're 20 minutes in we can't keep putting this off we might as well get into it teen Titans. let's get into it issue 17 uh this is immediately following the death of the family event i did have to wiki this event uh it's complicated and stupid uh the joker had got his own joker peeled his face off (laughs) and then put it back on and then then they then they did a story later. I was like, the other day I looked, I was like, how did Joker get his face back? Because he didn't get his face stitched back on. He got like dunked into like a mystery vat that gave it, that healed all his wounds and put his face back on. There's always mystery vats. Yep. Um, this story opens um, with a young boy named Quan Yi. I was going to say, before we like get into actually going over the story, um, trigger warning in this for like 
mind control slash possession slash influence which leads to like non-consensual sexual situations because people do not know who and what they are kissing yes um and it's very gross it's kind of explained that the person they are kissing also doesn't know that they are being possessed okay i have a whole thing about this that we'll have to get into like at the end of like 17 or something yeah um so yeah this kid named kwan yi has a he's got some photo iso what do they call it photo isotrophic uh, isotropic powers and he wants them to stop um and then this fucking creep ass doctor is standing over him and he says i'll get i'll fix it for you kid like it's fucking illuminated and half his face is in shadow this dude is nothing like good don't worry kid get on this table with all these like spider knives hovering over you i'll fix you and then he straps him down and the kid's like, will it hurt? And he's like, yes, idiot. <laughs> As if <laughs> all the fires of hell idiot. are being torn from your soul. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> uh, and then it is heavily implied that the child is murdered and then the powers are like slurped into a random other guy. Yeah. And that is the last this plot line is relevant. I think it comes back up in a later story that we're not reading. Don't worry about it. Um, that is... There's going to be more hints of this later. This is one of my main fucking gripes with this story. It feels like it's like a fucking MCU movie. It's like, there's so much shit in here. It's like half of every issue is dedicated to like... Setting up... And what if there was friends? a thing in another story you might want to know about? And it's like, fuck... It's and it makes it so confusing because it's like I have to go back and reread because it's like oh yeah Quan Yi is not relevant to this yeah so I'm just gonna ignore that but like you're going in and you're like oh this is gonna be what the story's about but it's not you might as well just cut these three pages out it, it, right it might as well have not fucking been there um... so. The Teen Titans are in a limo. Yeah, the Teen Titans are in a limo, riding back to New York City from Gotham. Basically, death of the family is like, Joker kidnaps the entire Bat family and just like fucks with them a lot. And during that, the Teen Titans come to like rescue Tim. And like, they're put in danger. So Tim is like, oh man, I put my teammates in danger. I have anxiety. Yeah, oh jeez. Oh, I really fucked this up. Oh, I'm, I'm such a fucking... Oh, jeez, guys. Oh, beans. Oh, man, I'm such a loser. Um, th- on, this, on this page, I want to talk about one of my other, like, real gripes with this book. And it is Solstice. Now, Solstice is a character who's introduced late into Teen Titans Volume 3. Um... And she is, um, I believe she's Indian. Uh, she is originally depicted as like a very like pretty girl. And we do see like a, a yeah, document see, like, a... that has like a pre-transformed photo of her in this. Mm-hmm. 
but she has like light powers and like she she's like naturally like kind of diametrically opposed to Raven because Raven feels everyone's emotions and because Kieran is so bright and so positive it like actually like is too much for Raven to be around um what do they do with Kieran here uh they encase her in stone so it's like the vis the only visibly brown person on this team uh excuse you Miguel is Mexican they just Mi draw him exactly the same as Tim I was gonna say they just draw him exactly like Tim like, but yeah, he, um, he's Tim with a slight tan. Like, there are panels where Cassie is as dark as he is. They fucking princess and the frog her. Yes. Like, oh, you're gonna be in the story, but you're not gonna ever look human. Um, and also, uh, you are, your whole character is that you are the nice girl and Cassie is the mean girl. Because, again, Scott Lobdell can write, like, one dynamic, but, like, he just wants to write Gen X again. Like, he's he's using uh, Kieran like she's Jubilee and Cassie like she's Monet. And neither of those characters are either of those people. What struck me is, so I read this, and I didn't know Solstice was a character before until I listened to your Red Hood episode. Mm -hmm. And to me, it just felt like they thought they were gonna have Starfire. Mm-hmm. Because she has the exact same powers as Starfire. She has the same general demeanor as Starfire. Remember how and, I said I'm sure they wanted a different character for Red Hood and the Outlaws? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. They wanted Starfire for this, and they wanted somebody else for, uh, for Red Hood. And at some point we're told either no to that other character or no to to Corey for this. And I now that I think about it, it probably makes more sense that she's that they were told no to using Corey on this. Because hey, if we want to establish that she had a past relationship with Dick Grayson, her being nebulously 17 doesn't make sense. Ugh. Um I also this is just a me thing. Uh, I constantly was getting Solstice confused with Singularity from A-Force. Because she looks exactly like Singularity. I think yeah. this was before that, but... Mm -hmm. similar, Extremely similar design. Yeah, she's also one of those characters where it's like, this is an excuse to draw a naked girl. Right. Um... She's got the, the very separated titties. Yeah. She's got, like, her hip popped out. You can. There's a defined belly button, even though she's literally made of rock. Made of rock. Yeah. Uh, Bunker is here. Bunker. Is, there are two things you. The book wants you to remember about Bunker. One, he is from Mexico, and two, he is gay. They establish that on this one page uh, by having him speak a random Spanish phrase. He said, "Just to be clear, mis amigos, if anyone needs me for anything, I will be taking a long hot shower for the next month." And then. Uh, by Cassie saying, I'm tempted to join you, Miguel, and him saying, ew, because the idea of a naked girl <laughs> is disgusting to him. Oh my god, I didn't even catch that that's why that he yes, says that. Yes, that's why he says that. And to, to reference back to issues 1 through 5 again, Bunker in 1 through 5 is like, he feels like a different character almost. 
because like in one through five he's like this robin fanboy who's like really enthusiastic he's really into tim but now he's just like i'm um, i'm here to like be marco from animorphs and I'm, say things in Spanish. I'm here to either be Marco from Animorphs or to be a Jaime Reyes stand-in. Uh, one thing I want to note on this first page as well. This book says that plot by Scott Lobdell, scripted by Fabian Nicieza and Scott Lobdell. What this means is that Lobdell wrote the plot and then Nicieza had to come in behind him and make it make sense. Lovedell handed him, like, a post-it note with, like, three bullet points. He's like, all right, kid. Like, you say kid, but these guys wrote on the X-Men together in the 90s. But, like, a lot of... Oh, they do this a lot, where it'll be plot by Scott Lobdell and then script by another person. Um, in his Superboy run, which I believe is happening around this same time... Yeah, 2013... Uh, it's like him and Tom DeFalco are like tagging in and out. And I like Tom DeFalco. Tom DeFalco wrote Spider-Girl. And I think Spider-Girl rules. Um, but his Superboy is not great. This is a weird iteration of Superboy. Which we'll get into when he shows up. Yeah. Um, and also like uh, the infamous Rick Grayson story. Same, <sighs> same setup on that. Plot by Scott Lobdell, script by Fabian Nicieza. And Fabian um, Nicieza, I want to say, I, I want to make very clear, Fabian Nicieza is an incredible writer. He writes a lot of stuff that's very, like, prose in comics. Like, he writes comics like they're novels, which I've talked about on this show is one of my favorite things that a comic writer can do. Um, his, his Robin run has um, one of my favorite, like, like monologue slash narration in anything where Tim is thinking about like, hey, I might die tonight. Um, and I don't know, he's like, and I know that that's not unique for me, but this is the first time in a long time I've really had to ask myself what'll happen. And he's trying to tie up all his loose ends. So he like calls his best friend who we haven't seen in a few issues. He calls his girlfriend who we haven't seen in a few issues and breaks up with her because he doesn't want her like, he doesn't want to die and have her wonder what happened to him. He's like, I'm never going to be able to make time for her, so let me just break it off. He calls Stephanie, who he is totally on the outs with. And that's all him. That's all Nicieza. So I, I don't want it to come off like I think that he stinks, too. I think he's great at what he does. But he's got to write the script for a bad story. <laughs> Like when you get somebody to write like a supernatural episode, yeah, it's still supernatural. It's it's still supernatural. Yes, exactly. The um, material does not leave a lot to work with. So, the team is basically like, "Hey, Red Robin, when will you tell us your human person name?" And he says, "I'm not gonna," but also, he doesn't wear a mask around them, mm -hmm. and. He is adopted by Bruce in this timeline, right? Sort of. His parents are revealed to still be alive, just in witness protection. Yep, yeah, but it's like he's like a like a spunky hacker, and so like Bruce adopts him to protect him. Yes, that's like his thing. Yes. So he's 
the adopted child of a famous celebrity and he's just hanging out with his team like with no mask on mm-hmm. yep huh yep um and i again would like to point out labdell said let me bring up the quote once again I was hired to write. Uh, I was hired to write stories for the new Fifty Two, not to just transcribe stories from the past and add an iPhone or a pop culture reference in the dialogue. This exact storyline was done better by Peter David on Young Justice, like a decade before this. Because the whole thing with that is that Tim knows everybody else's names; they don't know his. And eventually, he wants to tell them. He wants them to know. He wants to be honest with his friends. And he can't because of Bruce. Because if I tell them I'm Tim Drake, then they could put together that Bruce is, uh, that Bruce is Batman and that Dick is Nightwing and all these things. And he can't tell them. Bruce tells him, you can't tell, you know, you can't tell anybody. And so when he does eventually get permission from Bruce to tell them, it's this very, like, it's this very sweet moment where he takes off his mask and he says, hi, guys, my name is Tim Drake. And, like, formally introduces himself to these people he's been friends with. Like, genuine, real friends, not just a team. Like, the Tim and Connor and Cassie and Bart once sat around a fire and talked about, like, their fears and who they wanted to what they wanted to do when they got older and Connor kind of confided in everybody I can't grow up I'm stuck like I'm stuck 16 for my whole life um and it's like they have this real closeness and it eats at him that he can't tell them it eats at him that he can't tell Stephanie and here it's we're running that story back but really dumb he doesn't even wear a mask around Cassie in the first issue. Like, he's... He, I don't understand that logic. Like, they call him Red most of the time. Which mm-hmm. is a, a double annoying. Because before, when they did this storyline, everyone just called him Robin or Rob. Because Robin is a name that people have. I, I think Red is cute as a nickname. Yeah. Uh, but, like... They exclusively call him Red or Red Robin. Um, Red Robin does not roll off the tongue no. at all. Like if you're gonna I say how the they Robin have part, a meeting about that. Just call just call him Rob or something. Uh, also, Miguel says Como se llama, but it's, it's, it spells wrong. Why? <laughs> it's Como se llama with a is Y. Is should be spelled with a double L. <laughs> yeah. Great job, guys. Uh, which is double weird, because Missy Aza, I'm pretty sure, is, like, Argentinian. Like, his parents are immigrants. Like, I don't know how they fucked that one up. I don't know how did the age of Google Translate you fucked that up. But double when one of you, like, is from a background who speaks this language. Um, and so everyone is like... Like, Cassie calls him uh, Mr... She calls him uh, not, not so, so tall, tall, dark, or, or very, very handsome. handsome, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, she calls him really hot in issue 23, which is 
That's funny to me. Yeah. Uh, Solstice is like, well, whether you I call you Red Robin or Broody Guy, first and foremost, I am happy to call you my friend. And he's like, wow, Solstice, that means a lot. Like, making the most nothing face. Like, he makes... <laughs> Tim, like, pours his heart out in the middle of this limo ride, and Cassie's like, if we start hugging, I'm gonna hurl. <laughs> Yeah, like Tim, this is a very, one of the, like, the few moments where Tim is, like, a very likable person. Where he says, I come from a place where it's not very easy to make mistakes. Um, you know, your faith in me, starting out as strangers and becoming friends, the Teen Titans have been the light at the at the end of a very long tunnel. And Cassie says, can we go back to the awkward silence? If we start hugging, I am going to hurl more than once. Which is crazy, given the thing we find out at the end of this issue. Uh, Bart is running up to them. Bart's up. Yeah, basically, they they used to be based in Tim's penthouse, and then Tim's like, we're moving away from the penthouse to a yacht. Yeah, Bart runs up and he looks like Satan. Um, <laughs> I don't know why he has these terrifying red eyes. <laughs> he looks like the devil. <laughs> well, given what his next yes. plot line is about after yes. the story arc. But it's so funny, and that uh, that he looks like this, and so yeah, they move to this yacht, which is it very looks fancy. Like Zoom. He does look like Zoom. It's <laughs> me, Tim. Um. So, so like, the explanation he gives is, uh, like after what happened with death of the family, I realized innocent people get caught in the crossfire, so I moved us to the outskirts of town. To this yacht but they don't move the yacht the yacht stays docked in <laughs> he's he could have just bought an apartment on the edge of town but he buys a yacht that they don't drive which is very like detached rich person thing yep uh which is not a thing tim would do because tim is very practical it's not a thing bruce would teach him to do they do specifically call this out as a moment of Trigon's influence later, yes. but... But it's never... I'm, the thing they state is that Tim is not possessed by Trigon. Trigon is testing him by releasing well, his inhibitions. I'm gonna go ahead and talk about this point that I put in my notes later. Mm -hmm. um, constantly in this arc and the aftermath of this arc when they're talking about it in the next couple issues... Lobdell, like, will not commit to, like, whether Tim was possessed, whether he is being, like, subtly influenced, um, you know, and at what points he is being himself or not. Right. Because it's like, is, is him opening up to Solstice about his fucking problems? Is that the influence of the fucking Lord of Evil Trigon? Or is that the real Tim Drake being genuine to these people he cares about? And and in the next issue, he's like, ha like, having a vision of Damien who is fucking dead, and he's like sobbing, and he like hugs Alfred. It's like, is that Trigon? Like, it's he will not pin down what actually happened because it's, they just want to be like any vague assortment of actions within this arc that you don't like were Trigon, and the ones that you did were not. Yeah. Oh, it's whatever you think. Um, 
I hate this panel of Miguel on the next page, by the way. <laughs> Which one? The one where he's got his hands clasped together. He looks like he got <laughs> hit with Joker gas. Yeah, I... We can't point it out every single time it happens, because it's like every panel. It's every time. Their this, faces it's are so horrifying. Fucked. Every single panel, they look horrifying. Cassie has the longest neck uh, in recorded history. <sighs> Like, look how far from her from her shoulders her chin is. <laughs> this is insane. Eddie Browns is a professional artist. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, um, this page does have a visual gag that I actually liked. Hmm. Um, so Tim is like giving them a tour of the boat. One panel is them walking by a pool, and Tim's like, she has a saltwater pool and jacuzzi, etc, etc, etc. And you can see Bart, like, <laughs> creeping up to Cassie with his arms stretched out. That is really funny, actually. I and think then, that's hilarious. And then in the next panel, they are walking inside of the boat, and they're all just toweling off. Yeah, because Bart pushed everybody into the pool. That's pretty funny. Um, and then he immediately ruins it by being a creep. And he's like, so Kieran will be my roommate, right? Which I want to say, it's less creepy because Bart and Kieran are like supposed to be in a romantic relationship here. He says, or Cassie. Or Cassie. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not, I am. Yeah. It, like, considering how upset he gets about Kieran doing a kiss mm -hmm. later, it's like, hmm. Uh,. Oh my god, this next page is fucked too. He's like, uh, the next, my bunk, is, like, he explains the living situation and the arrangements, which is also weird because this boat, they keep saying this boat is gigantic. This boat is so huge. Why are there only, like, four bedrooms? I mean, he does say it has, like, a game room and a movie theater and a gym and a training room. You didn't think to put more like, than I guess. four bedrooms in here? <laughs> we got you mean we, three? <laughs> Well, oh, you know what? Because you're right, because I forgot that Khan's not here. Yeah, Bart and Miguel, Bart and Miguel have Sharon. to share a dorm room. Which Kieran Miguel is saying, Miguel is saying this room is huge, standing between two twin beds that are not even an arm's length apart. This, this bed is, like, they keep telling us this bit, this thing is huge, but they show us that it's not. Yeah, um, uh, Tim shows them the, the bat computer. Yeah, the war room. Uh, everybody's um, faces are fucked again. Uh, and he's like, I'll, I'll explain all this to you guys later. But until then, the equipment here is off limits for everyone. And he's like, all right, I feel like I can sleep forever. Let's go to bed. And it cuts to the next, um, like, that night... Fucking, this is also, like, the, so, I want to talk about Bart, because I don't think we're going to talk about this, like, the full, I'll give the cliff notes on what's revealed about Bart later. Uh, basically, Bart is not Bart. He is a different person who thinks that he is Bart Allen. His um, name is Bartor. Bartor, yeah. Uh, which is very stupid. Um, he is a Christian extremist terrorist from the future. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> Updating these characters doesn't mean making them into literally different people. And they keep doing this. So many characters in the new 52 are this. Where it's like, hey, it's the character you know and like, except not. Like, Lobo is revealed to be an imposter. Bart is an imposter. Uh, Connor is revealed to not be to not be Connor. He is instead a clone of an alternate timeline's John Kent who was then like switched with a clone. We can't get into it. It's fucking stupid. It's so um, stupid. They keep doing this. Um, but he's acting a very Bart way. When he's like bouncing off the walls while Miguel is trying to sleep. And Miguel's yeah, like, hey, which guns. makes sense with the original Bart story where he was raised in fucking VR and has no like attention span. Mm -hmm. But this Bart, he they specifically talk in this page about how he has no memory and then he just appeared at a group home six months ago. And that's it. That's all yeah. he knows. So like why is he fucking sugar rush boy right it like nothing about this character makes any sense um and but, so they kind of bond a little bit and he's like uh, Miguel's like I had to leave so many things back where I've you know was born but I knew that being here was important so we're you know we're exactly where we need to be uh and then they go to bed Miguel says um like Basically, Miguel's like, you can't worry about the past or the future. You have to focus on the now, which is funny because Bart is a criminal from the future and it's about to come bite him in the ass after this arc. Yeah. Uh... And then we cut to, like, Miguel's boyfriend who is in the hospital. Yeah. And that doesn't come back till the end. Correct. Uh, and so, so... Tim is out on the boat pontificating he's doing a fucking soliloquy I was going to go to bed but then I looked up at the stars over my head and thought I thought how lucky I am to be alive to be in a position to give something like this boat to my friends as bad as things got with the Joker I never despaired because I knew in my heart of hearts you were there looking out for me I knew I couldn't die because I couldn't stand the thought of disappointing you Kieran Kieran who has been standing behind him and she's like, wow, I, did, I thought you were talking to yourself, but I guess you only ever do anything for a reason. And she was like, last night I realized that you were born into a hellhole and what it must have done for you to become the man you are today. Tim was a rich kid from the good part of Gotham <laughs> who grew up with a loving family. I don't mind that being like, oh, I... I thought you were just a dick for no reason, but you're a dick because Gotham is like that. Yeah. <laughs> because Gotham is the worst place on earth. And then, like, basically out of nowhere, Tim goes, sometimes it takes us a while to notice that the things we most want in life, claps arm to Solstice's <laughs> shoulder, are only an arm's length away. Which is exactly, wait, what? And then he just fucking rips her in for a kiss like out of nowhere and she's like hold the fuck up I'm dating Bart and he's like Bart's not here and she goes yeah true 
And she just dives back in. She goes, yeah, you're right, which is nuts! What the fuck? Absolutely out-of-pocket behavior from Tim. And But then Kieran also is just like... Into it! Like, it doesn't make it... Like, if Tim's inhibitions are that he is like a horny megalomaniac, it doesn't make sense that everyone is also just going with it. And like... Bart does say that at the end of this story. He's like, well, yeah, Tim was possessed. That's his excuse. What's yours? And it's like, the excuse is that she's being written by Lobdell. The, the excuse is that she is a, a woman being written by Scott Lobdell. Um, known serial creep Scott Lobdell, I should add. Self, self-admitted Self-admitted sexual harasser. Yes! Um, so then we cut to another storyline that is in this arc for like four pages and do- has nothing to do with anything and doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, Simon, we will come to find out this is, uh, gets bumped by a guy in a coffee shop and then decides to psychically kill everyone in the room. Also, there is an extremely lazy joke about how millennials order complicated coffee orders. Yeah. Triple mocha caramel espresso infused with lemongrass and a puff of air. Listen, let me tell you something. I worked in a Starbucks for two years. From 2015 to 2017. People's orders are not as often this complicated. Like, people do not walk into a crowded coffee shop and go, yeah, let me get a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, but also, like... This late at night. Like, they always make it sound ridiculous, and it's like, this would sound just as ridiculous. Like, it would be the exact same amount of words to go to McDonald's and be like, can I can get, I get a, a quarter pounder meal with fries and a Coke? Like, right, can it's I, the exact same. Right, can I get a quarter pounder, no onions, no pickles, uh, uh, a large fry, and a Diet Coke? It takes the exact same amount of time. Yeah, it's just, that's the funny haha millennials joke. Um, I will say, there was a woman that, there were two two particular people that came into my old job all the time when I worked there. This is, I haven't worked there in over five years, and I can recite their orders from memory because they were so particular about it. There was a woman who would come <laughs> in, she would get a two sh- she would get a six shot Americano in a venti cup water to the tip of the siren's crown on the cup and uh, steamed half and half the rest of the way. And at first, I'm like, damn, this is really complicated. And then I did it a few times, like, oh, this is actually, this isn't, she's not being as difficult as I as I thought. Uh, she works in a, <laughs> this lady worked in, like, housekeeping at one of the hotels here. She needed that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, like, she she was going into a bullshit night. So, like, this random page of Simon in the middle of this issue, it, when I was reading this arc, I had to flip back and forth between issues constantly because mm-hmm. it was so, like, it just jumps around so much, and it's... I thought this was the guy from the prologue. I also thought but, that. And I was like, wait, like, the, the, who the fuck? Like, it, you see the kid get killed, the powers slurp into another guy, and then later in the story we cut to a, a guy we haven't seen 
using some crazy powers. Like, that would make sense if that was the same guy, but it's not. It's another completely separate plot line that also doesn't go anywhere. Like, it's not just the characterization of things that makes this book stupid and bad. It's things like this, where it's like, that makes no sense to put there. Why is this paced like this? Because they had, like, a contract of, like, we have to introduce Simon this month. Like, it's so, it's structured so bizarre. Um, back at Red Robin's room. Oh, God. Cassie comes in wearing Tim's shirt and no pants. Which, that feels like a weird like possessiveness thing that sh- that is weird for the relationship that we are seen with that we are shown for them to have this feels like a thing that Scott Lobdell specifically thinks is sexy and listen i've had i've done the whole girl is wearing my shirt thing my girlfriend wears my clothes all the time it's very cute but It's a weird thing when these characters are constantly bickering for her to be like, one, for his clothes to just be laying around where she got them from not his room. What? (laughs) Yeah, and like, this page makes the Trigon possession thing super weird, because like... It feels like they've been doing this for a while. Well, what it is is like they end up hooking up. It specifically says the phrase hooking up later in the story arc. And you're supposed to be like, oh, this is another Trigon possession creepazoid thing. She knocks on his door wearing his shirt with no pants and comes in and sits next to him and calls him sexy. Like, how is this a Trigon possession thing if Cassie is the one instigating it? Cassie's the one initiating it. And Tim says, you know, none of this is as hard as we make it out to be, right? Saying thank you, being grateful, showing each other how we really feel. And she says, are we really doing this again? What? Why is she questioning it? She came to his room in the middle of the night wearing his shirt and no pants. And she calls him sexy. She was like, yeah, you, she's like changing sexy. And then she's sexy. like, surprised. She, she's surprised that he's like, Let's, also, let's make out. and But they've also done this before. I So I didn't read issues 6 through 16. Do they make out? No, this is supposed to be a surprise. Like, oh my god, I can't... Like, they... Tim is... Tim, like, shows an interest. Like, they do, like, a weird... Like, kind of... Like, Tim and Con are both interested in Cassie thing. Uh, but it doesn't really go anywhere before this. But she says, are we doing this again? As though volume three is still canon. No, it's as though they've been sneaking around doing this off page. Is the implication. That for the last couple <sighs> weeks, they've been doing this. So let's, let's cut away from that to a spooky feather lady. In hell! Giant claws on a throne of skulls. This is very Mortal Kombat. <laughs> this, is, this is very Boone and Tobias. So, I flipped back to issue 16, and there is one single page in issue 16 
where out of nowhere it cuts to Trigon and he says um, she was lost to me but she found her way home much care has been taken in preparing her for our deliverance she points to the future our spearhead in an attack long in the making and so very soon to come I unleash upon a fearful earth in all her vicious glory my daughter my black bird of terror Raven and so we see Raven and then this is like her second the second appearance yeah where she's like like one of her like ghouls (laughs) comes up and is like (laughs) literally a fucking like 200 attack point zombie from (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh is like apologies mistress raven and he's got like the creeper like wiggly hands yeah I did not mean to disturb you (laughs) of course you did otherwise why would you have interrupted my reverie She's, like, drinking out of a chalice of blood? She's not even drinking it. She's just sitting there watching it overflow. (laughs) This is so stupid. Your father asks that you join him by the bleeding river. His forces have been amassed. The time has come. So, Raven says, uh... Lord Trigon moves more quickly than I had expected. May all the gods of light and dark hear my prayer, grant us the strength to accomplish the impossible task before us, and that finally, fatefully, justice will prevail through the coming storm. This storyline is incredibly unclear as to Raven's allegiance and motivations. Yeah, uh, and then the last page of this is... No sign is like Tim sitting in the war room with his headphones on, uh, and just like listening to these things, and uh, he hears like a drug deal going on. Says, "You got you guy goes, uh, what time are you gonna be there? One, you got the stuff. Hey, don't say nothing else on the phone, okay? You never know when Big Brother is watching." And Tim is he looks jokerized. He looks his like eyes are like glowing red. <laughs> He looks like he's about to say a gamer word. Twelve-year-old <laughs> <laughs> boys when they're about to say a slur on Call of Duty. Oh shit! And so and the, t- the ratty T-shirt and the flannel. <sighs> Next issue: Raven flies in a battle. The war of light and dark begins. They fucking love, and they continue to do this now, they love calling anything, any storyline is the war of blank. Come up with something else. The war of light and dark fits as like a fantasy YA generic title. Uh, there the blank is, of blank and blank. Yeah, no, yes, they, <laughs> there is a Batman story recently, like post-rebirth, called the war of jokes and riddles. Wait, wait. Side note, Batman stories. <laughs> I looked up some kind of new DC issue and saw an ad for a Batman story. It's literally just called Batman Killing Time. <laughs> like, I would love for it to, to have meant like he is killing time. Like he's like. <laughs> but of course, that's not what it means. Also, they announced at the back... They were doing this thing during the New 52 called Channel 52 where they would have, like, kind of a roundup of everything that's happening around the New 52. 
which is not a bad idea. I don't hate this concept. Um, just like a, hey, you should check in uh, this thing. Hawkman is popping up. Uh, but also, they just do a panel where they're like, Robin is dead. We repeat, Robin is dead. Please stand by. Because um, Damien is murdered by an evil clone of himself uh, in an issue of Batman and Robin that came out that same month. Uh, just before we move on, I I said I like this Raven costume. I don't like this art of it. I don't like the lips. Yeah, I like like giving her more of like a bird-like thing going on. I think that's pretty all right. She's got, like, the, the Cecil helmet from Final Fantasy, but it's, like, made of feathers. Yeah, like, making her look more, like, demonic. But again, it's Raven cool was, like, based off of, like, an Indian woman. It's very strange that they're, like... And granted, historically, they have, like, whitewashed Raven. Uh, oh, absolutely. Perez, I think Perez himself was like, well, no, I based her, her off of this, but she was never supposed to be, like, from India... But also, I very clearly based her off of this one particular Indian woman. Uh, issue 18. So Basically, issue... it just starts with, like, four pages of Tim, like, at the Batcave, and he's like, oh man, Damien died. I'm really sad. You know, Okay, I mean, anyway. Yeah. The cover for this is super sinister. This makes it look like Tim murdered Damien and stole <laughs> his, and is planning on stealing... The, the Robin name back because he's standing he's on his knees in the rain with lightning behind him this sick grin on his face holding Damien's costume and look I know that covers lie this is like the thing that comic book covers do they lie they lie all the time but what the fuck is this <laughs> but yeah Tim is like upset that Damien is dead because Damien is his little brother and like they have a really strained relationship like historically yeah and he's like talking to like his mind pro projection of Damien yeah and Damien like his own perception of Damien is that Damien doesn't like him yes and he has to yell at him like Like, you shouldn't have been there. You shouldn't have been Robin, but not because I don't like you. It's because you're, you're fucking a kid. ten. Yeah. Yes. And it's kind of going back to his motivations from, like, the first arc, which was he, Tim wants to, like, protect kid and teen supers, yeah. basically. Um, it's... This also is a great example of how time in comic books is very stupid. Because Damien is 10 when he dies and comes back. He's 14 now. Tim is 17 when this happens. Tim is nebulously like maybe 19 now. Don't think about it. it don't, don't think about it, I guess. Um, but yeah, Alfred Damien is Velocidad. <laughs> uh, fuck, I gotta do a Generation Hope story so I can talk about Velocidad. <laughs> um, yeah. Alfred comes in, and we see Tim, like, actually physically... Hugging the like, air! Like, doing a hug. Like, I didn't think he was literally doing that. 
<laughs> I thought it was just like a representative, but then we cut to Tim hugging the air. It's like, okay. And then Tim hugs Alfred, and you can see Damien's like ghost waving to him. Uh, Alfred like does say there are more important things in the world than secrets, which seems like a something Alfred would say if he was about to reveal that he was Tim to the team, but he doesn't, so I right. don't know what this is about. He's trying to tell them, he's trying to tell Tim, like, hey, you can tell them that your fucking brother died, man. Yeah, but he doesn't. Uh, and so... This just feels like they felt obligated to have Tim react to Damien's death, and this yes. was just the book Tim was in. That's that's exactly correct. Um, so, so Connor shows up. Or rest Con, of, not Connor. Anytime Connell shows up, take a shot every time he says tactile. Tactile, like <laughs> Fucking Lobdell is obsessed with you knowing that his power is tactile telekinesis. Listen, I—he doesn't even use the cool shorthand he used to use for it. He used to just say, "Yeah, man, my TTK." No, he, we've got to say tactile telekinesis every time. He literally—it's—it says, "Okay, one week later," um, and Khan is like floating above the yacht, and he says. Guys, just stop by the penthouse and realize you weren't there anymore. If not for my tactile telekinesis, I would never have tracked you here. You can fly, Khan. With his tactile telekinesis. With his tactile telekinesis. <laughs> um, and so he's like, Bart tells him, like, hey, you need to get down so Red doesn't freak out. Because uh, they're trying to be low-key. Right. Side note. Um, the fact that they put Solstice in a hoodie is like, hey, is she just naked the rest of the time? Yes. Like, why is she wearing a hoodie now, but, but usually... the rest of the time she has no clothes on? Don't think about it. <laughs> I, this panel of Cassie irritates me because, like, Cassie's like, because Cassie talks to Khan and she's like, look, we got enough hard creeps giving us a hard time that you should know you should used to be one of them. We don't need someone flying overhead like a big neon arrow that says kill Titans here. The The narration on her says Cassie Sandsmark, Wonder Girl. In some ways, she's the natural born leader of the group. If only she were less, well, Cassie. Cassie- I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to bring this up if you didn't. So fucking- mm. Cassie was the leader of the Teen Titans and Young Justice for so long that that book became a pseudo-Cassie solo book. Like, she was the leader of the Teen Titans for, like, six real-world years. This is... It's just such a fucking blatant sexism thing. It's like, what this immediately made me think of is there's this episode of Kitchen Nightmares where they try to pitch to you that the conflict of the episode is that the brother and sister that own the restaurant, the brother is lazy and the sister is like overbearing and like completely impossible to work with. But then every clip they have of the sister is her being completely reasonable and just being like, hey, can you use seasoning on the steaks, please? 
but then they have to like try and edit it to make her look like she's some kind of like nag bitch. Yeah, they they like, want literally to be this bitch character that she isn't and never has been. Literally, it says if only she were less Cassie, and what she literally says is, "Hey, they are trying not to broadcast you know our location." <laughs> literally, completely reasonable fucking thing to ask. But they always draw her with this really like angry expression. So you get like Cassie is a bitch. And then Solstice is immediately like because like, oh, Cassie oh, says we all have secrets Superboy. We all want to keep them. And she's like does she know that I cheated on Bart with Red Robin? Um, also <laughs> Bart in this panel looks like fucking John Lennon. <laughs> his, they have his hair drawn like down and long, and he's got like the glasses on. <laughs> he looks like he's like, he's like a fucking home movies character. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, so, Khan's fucking deal in this book is that like the organization Nowhere, which has periods, so you know it's an evil organization because it has an acronym. Mm -hmm. They, like, made Superboy to be, like, a secret weapon so that they could, like, have somebody to beat up teen metahumans so they could kidnap them. Like, that's his origin. And so in the first five issues, he tries to beat them up, but then he's like, actually, never mind. Yep. Bye. Which is such a weird take on his existing, or his pre-existing origin, where he, um, where Connor was created by Star Labs in case something ever, or uh, by Cadmus, in case anything ever happened to Superman. Um, and, uh, then when he gets busted out by, like, when he gets busted out of the, the tube, he's like just a teenager, just like, yo, I'm Superman, but, like, I'm 16 years old in 1992. Uh, I love chicks and this leather jacket. <laughs> this con does get a leather jacket. It's not as good. Um, he gets the Metropolis Kid outfit later. I'm trying to remember. But is that him this, or is like that when they switch him with the original Connor? Listen, it's they do, the same. They reveal... It's no, 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 this Connor dies. <laughs> no, I know, but it's just, it's just some excuse to do a shake-up. Like, it's basically the same Connor. People got, they realized nobody was nobody liked that Superboy, and so they're like, shit, we gotta bring the old one back. So they resolve the clone thing. Like, he disappears as part of, like, a fucking, like, paradox they or whatever. They get launched through time. Yes. And then... They reveal when Brian Michael Bendis comes over and relaunches Young Justice, he reveals that the real Connor, the one that everyone remembered, was actually stuck on Gemworld this whole time on a farm. <laughs> like raising a family out in space. Which is stupid, but it's the best like explanation I can think of. Yes, his stupid Tron costume. Looks like Superman Red. Uh, it's it's very dumb. Um, so, basically, uh, Superboy wants to join the team, and Robin says, "Okay, you're in." And then everyone's like, "Or Wally's like, fuck, not Wally, bar." 
Bartor says, uh, don't we get a vote? And he says, no. And this is Trigun's influence. <laughs> this is the Tim Tatorship. Uh, and Con-, Con says to Cassie, charming as ever, huh? And she says, he has his moments, and sometimes he has an hour or so. Cassie, are you trying to hide that you two are fucking or not? Side note, this feels like one of those things where they don't know that they're making it a throuple. <laughs> like, you can't tell me, if, if Connor was a girl here, that would be 100% like them flirting. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you just erased Superboy and put Starfire there and it was the same dialogue, that's exactly how it would come across. You swap, literally swap him and Kieran on this page. Swap their dialogue bubbles. And it smack, it sounds like, she's like, God, you would not believe how good he is at fucking. Because that's the implication there. He sometimes, he has an hour or so she's like yeah he's a real 60 minute man like what the fuck um so we get to see everybody's superhero outfits for the first time in this arc um do you want to just go down the line yep uh there's Connor in his uh I know it's not Connor but I'm gonna keep calling him Connor cause it's easy uh Connor Connell <laughs> in Connell. his uh, not John in his fucking Tron Superman outfit. Not great. Uh, what do you think of this Cassie outfit? That's my I, big question. I have you. a love-hate relationship with it because it's similar to a costume that she wears at one point. It kind of, like, invokes, like, Donna a little bit. Like, I don't hate it. But yeah, I don't like it I, either. I, f- I felt really torn because I read, like, you know, like, ten issues of this comic where she has this costume... I think I really like the costume. It's just that every artist that they have on this book takes every single opportunity to make it look incredibly horny. Like, if it were being drawn, like, how that costume would actually appear in real life, I think it wouldn't look nice. Like, it doesn't have, like, a ton of skin. It's, like, she's got, like, the armor that, like, kind of gradually you know, she gets more and more armor the more she needs it. And she's mm-hmm. got, like, the hood, which she doesn't have in this anymore. But I liked the hood. Yeah. I don't know. It's... I like it, but they use it as an excuse to be horny. Which, like, did she's you a see... girl in a 2011 comic. Right, did you see the new version of her, like, her new costume when she when they relaunched Young Justice? Um, is it this one? I'm sending you a panel from, uh, what is it? War of the Amazon or Trial of the Amazons from this year? I have not read Trial of the Amazons, so I. But don't is know. it this outfit where she has like the Wonder Girl T-shirt and like the skirt with the leggings, and she's got like the brown jacket over it? Yes, yes, it is that one. It's um, cute. Um, I. Like- it, yeah, that one. I, I don't know that it's... I don't love superhero costumes where it's like, I'm wearing clothes. Yeah, but this is more her personality. Yeah. Like, it's there's not a bad, lot more personality like, being shown in, like, 
the art where she's wearing this outfit. It feels kind of like when they did that Batgirl redesign where she was wearing like the all purple leather. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, anyway, back to the story we're actually talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I was say, costume had... is very weird. It's like a weird red and purple Zorro outfit. Well, it's supposed to look like bricks. Yes. Because his power is that he makes bricks, but also they can be soft or hard, so why are they bricks? They just look like bricks. <laughs> They're psychic bricks. Don't worry about it. So, basically, Tim says, um, alright, it's time to clock in. And then they're like, the team is uneasy, and Tim's like, call it whatever you want. You're in or you're out. Yeah, why are you suddenly being a dick? You were very cool, like, ten minutes ago. And then the boat just starts driving, and then he's like, I anticipated you guys would join me, so I set the autopilot. And this is... Also, I do want to note, I hate this Tim costume, by the way. This is truly... Oh, we didn't talk about the Tim costume, sorry. (sighs) They, so I think we talked, me and Jesse talked about it in one episode. Um, Right before the New 52, they uh, had Marcus Toe uh, redesign, like design an alternate costume for Tim. Because he, they were doing this like cyber space story with him. Where he was, uh, he was going in and out of this virtual reality, and he had this very cool, uh, like very clearly like Nightwing inspired costume. Uh, that's uh, that I love. This is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite costumes that Tim ever wears. Is uh, it the one where he has like the the hood that like goes over his nose? No, no, that's the that's the original um, Red Robin suit. That the explanation of how he gets that suit is very stupid, and I'll save it. Uh, but just know it came from an alternate universe and was designed by Alex Ross. Um, is it uh, the all red one with the black no, and it. yellow? I found it here. I'm gonna send it to you. Um, okay. So it's a. It's like a black suit, and it's got um, like a red bird thing on the chest, and then the stripes going down the shoulders and to the fingers, like Nightwing suit. Uh, but it's got the oh, red gotcha. robin emblem in the middle, uh, a long black cape. Uh, he's got like a like sort of like a domino mask, but it covers uh, his nose too, um, and his hair is longer. Like it's a very cool look for him. That's yeah, like, looks nice. Yeah, it looks really good. Um, and then they were like, uh, we're going to give him this dumb, this dumb wing cape. Uh, put belts on him. We're going to strap a bunch of belts to him. I don't know if this is Jim Lee's fault, but I'm going to blame him for it. Uh, but they, uh, they're like, hey, Tim, are you fucking kidnapping us? Um... And he's like, there's a girl being held, uh, a girl named Tabitha Muntz, being held against her will as a trio of agencies trying to figure out how to weaponize the Medici. Um, Um, This is another side plot that is irrelevant. Completely, completely irrelevant. They go... I'm going to... Go for it. Here is the extreme bullet points. 
They go to Belrev Prison. Amanda Waller is there. Tim Drake breaks into her office and says, we're going to make a deal. We don't find out what that is. This and is also skinny Amanda Waller, who I hate. <laughs> and meanwhile, the rest of the Titans fight the Suicide Squad. And then they just stop fighting when Amanda Waller tells them to stop. Yeah. Um, also, this Suicide Squad is very weird. I hate this Harley costume. It's a terrible Harley. It's it's atrocious. This is also... They haven't decided who Harley is yet. Like, they haven't decided who she is outside of the Joker yet. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of recent stuff has really written her a lot better. Where she's like, look, I did a lot of shit, and I'm not proud of it. Um, And I understand that people don't like her, trust me. Um, Here, she's just, like, still the same, just not with the Joker anymore. Um, like, she had the growth of getting away from him, but then no growth past that. Because uh, I guess they haven't realized that people are into the idea of Harley Quinn as this redemptive character yet. Also, Killer Shark. Not King Shark. Killer Shark. Who is like a hammerhead shark. Uh, and apparently, apparently, um, I think pre-New 52... Killer Shark and Superboy were like nemesises in Hawaii. Yes. <laughs> so this is like them calling back to that. But it's not a new story with an iPhone. This is original. This all feels like That's Scott Lobdell... That's why he says, say aloha. Yeah. Scott Lobdell hadn't read, it feels like, he hadn't read any DC comics since like 1995. And so like, he's just like going off of that. This, Tim makes another fucked up Trigon face. Mm-hmm. And, and we, like, we don't even know, like, what this deal is that he cuts in the story. It's completely irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, Harley tells Cassie, I might not be as strong as you, or fill out... What's that word? I, I, a, a bodice? Bodice, yeah. That's what I thought, but I don't know. Uh, or fill out a bodice like you. Uh... But I'm not without my resources. It smashes her in the head with, a, like, a slab of concrete. Which is... This is a weird line. She's like, hey, I might not be as strong as you or have as big of titties. Well, that's all women think about and talk about. Like, it's it very clearly shows, like, oh, yeah, this dude is definitely, like, all the women he knows are women that he is, like, attempting to have sex with. Because mm-hmm. he writes all women like this. Yeah, so... There is a very funny uh, panel where Bunker is fighting Deadshot and he just bricks up his hand. <laughs> like, that's... I, I so badly wanted the next panel to be like Deadshot shoots anyway and blows his fucking hand off. I thought that would be very funny. Yeah, it's, um... I don't know. They they fight the Suicide Squad for the sake of the Suicide Squad showing up. Yes. It's it's really completely irrelevant. Except for we find out that the Tabitha Munts girl is made up. Yeah. And basically brought them here under false pretenses so that yeah. he can make this deal with Amanda Waller. And uh, uh it's very so stupid. He, 
uh, Bart says, I thought we were, I'm confused, I thought we were here to save that girl, and Tim says, there was no girl, we'll talk about it on the way back. Uh, meanwhile, Simon suddenly looks like he aged a decade. Well, this is a different artist. Yes, who makes Simon look much older. Rodney Buscemi wrote, or drew the back half of this issue. Um, but he's just walking on the street, he psychically kills a taxi driver, who and then Trigon he's appears. Like, he's like jaywalking, <laughs> and the, the driver's like, hey, you idiot, I almost killed you! And he goes, hmm, yeah, almost, drop dead. And he goes, ah, oh, I love doing that, it's so fun. And, and then, then Trigon, Trigon just shows up! Just shows up! When, when we did Terror of Trigon, there is, like, gravitas to Trigon. Like, Trigon... You but first see him... You know what him... this feels like? Hmm. It feels like... So, they have the Simon page, and it's like he kills the taxi driver, and then someone screams, and he goes, I can explain! And then someone says, explain what? Because they're pointing up in the air, not at Simon. And then the next page is just a splash page of Trigon. It feels like they didn't know what they were going to do at the yeah. end. They just had people vaguely screaming and pointing up at the sky so that they could put anything as the last page. Yeah, they didn't hadn't decided if this would be Raven or Trigon or what. Um, this yeah, there is no gravitas. There is no like. He's just here. We got that one page in the last issue where Raven was like, Trigon makes his move, but he just appears. When Trigon showed up for the first time in Tower of Trigon in New Teen Titans. Uh, it's number one through five. He shows up. The first time you see him is because Jericho is looking inside Raven's mind. And Trigon... They, they dedicate pages, plural, to how horrific a sight this is. How Jericho's mind can barely comprehend what he's fucking seeing. Uh, and when he finally materializes on Earth after destroying countless realms on his way there he like turn like he like kills everyone on earth <laughs> like he turns everyone to stone and is like draining their life force to become more powerful like he's like fucking galactus and here he's yeah. just a dude on a horse he just appears at times square that's it uh, so the next issue 19 the cover so to recap very quickly we saw that trigon was introducing raven as his daughter who's gonna help him be evil we see raven like going to like meet with trigon and then this cover is teen titans trapped and terrified by the forces of raven beast boy and trigon Beast Boy, a character who has not appeared in this book. So they're literally just it's like, hey, remember the TV show? Well, get fucked. Remember the TV show? These characters now look completely different and are like just different people. These guys are evil now. Uh, Beast Boy is red. Like... (laughs) They're using Beast Boy and Raven to like get people hyped about the comic because it makes you think of the 2003 cartoon but then they're not going to put any effort into it or respect it at all right they're using like 
the reason Lebdell continued these runs on these books, the reason these books don't get canceled, is because they're using characters people know and recognize to like juice the numbers. I, like I there will was a, say, oh, go ahead. I was say there was like a static, a static shock book that they call Static Shock because they know that people will recognize it from the show, but then it looks way different. He's wearing a different, a completely different costume. He's in a completely different city. It's like a way different book, but they're banking on you going like, oh yeah, I like that. Virgil actually appears in issue six of this comic. Yes, and then is like a reserve member of the Titans who never, who like shows up maybe once or twice for the rest of this run. Uh, I was just gonna say, I don't hate Gar being red instead of green. Because, like, the the logic there is because he's connected to the red, which is, like, the... Like, DC has, like, the green, which is, like, plants, and the red, which is, like, the overarching energy god or whatever of animals. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's what Animal Man is connected to. Right. So, like, I, I don't hate that, but it's also, like... This character was green for 40 years. Yeah. Why are you making him red? Like, a, like the same design, just a completely different color now. Yeah, it's not a costume design change. You just made him a, like... <laughs> a different color. Weird. <laughs> like, Superman, but he's blue! Like, what? Um... So this anyway, pay, this Cassie's book opens, pissed. Catch, Cassie choking the fuck out of Tim. Which she is right to. Yeah, hey, you just lied to us. And that, like, so the thing have, about Tim says, Tim, you have ten seconds to remove your hand before I do it for you. And she says, perfect. You have three seconds to explain why you endangered all our lives against the Suicide Squad. Bart trying desperately to stop them from fighting... Also, this is still Eddie Barrows. Why did he forget that Cassie's costume is a tube top and not a one-shoulder? In the last issues, it it's a tube top, but in this issue, it comes up over like no, it, it did that on the other one shoulder. Too. No, it's it's specifically a tube top. If you go back and look at it, because you can see her from like both sides. But then in this issue, it's like a one-shoulder top for some reason. That's or at least it's a tube top in the, like, originally. Huh. I, I feel like there was another issue here where it looked like this. No, look at uh, this. Hold on. I'm sending you a screenshot from issue 18. Oh, it that does not come up. That's super weird. What the to fuck? To be fair, that's... That's not a page Eddie Barrows drew, so maybe Eddie Barrows thinks it's a one-shoulder. Yeah, because... But it's not supposed to be. Because if you look at the first issues, it's not a one-shoulder. If you look at that page, it's not a one-shoulder. Yeah. Anyway, either way, it's inconsistent. Yeah. Whatever it's supposed to be. Uh, and so... Bunker... As, as she's choking Tim, Solstice is in the back thinking about how she kissed Tim. That's, that's her only function this is, in this story. The, oh my god, it makes me so mad. It makes me so mad. Bunker goes, hey, he can't explain if you fucking crush his windpipe, dude. Uh, and uh, 
Khan says, yeah, he's right. There's a, there's a reason he set us up. I think we'd like to all hear it. Right, Solstice? And Solstice goes, of course. Since Red and I made out the other night, he hasn't been the same. Me especially. Oh my god, we get it. <laughs> so, and she releases him, and she's like, alright, tell us the truth. And Tim goes, the truth? The truth is I don't owe you any explanation. I took you into my home. I kept you alive. I gave you a purpose. What the fuck? You're my team, and you'll do as I say, or you can leave and deal with Nowheres and the Grimms and the Diesels and the Amanda Wallers of the world on your own. Either you're with me or you're not. I don't care either way. And again, they do the exact same Superboy Cassie conversation. Where he goes, hey, what's, Superboy what, says, what's up this guy's ass? <laughs> he says, is there something seriously wrong with him? And she says, if there is, I can tell you it came on suddenly. He was more than fine last night. This, is, <laughs> this whole story is just every so chance we get. These two are having sex. These two made out the other day. Anyway... The sky is slightly red, which it just looks like a sunset, but Bunker says, hey, what's up with the sky? And then Cassie starts screaming and her armor like fully activates and she's like, Trigon, he's on Earth. And I wrote in my notes, um, why is Cassie related to Trigon? Why is Cassie connected to Trigon? Why is Cassie, who is a... A character connected to the Greek mythology. Why is she connected at all to Trigon? This make and this story makes more sense if this is Ares. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it, Lobdell wasn't going to use Trigon initially, so th this is like the first this has come up, isn't it? I don't remember. Because when um, the fuck else would she have talked about Trigon or know who Trigon is if this is his first appearance? This is, I don't think, his first... I think he's mentioned in an, in one of those in-between issues where she, like, explains her armor or whatever. But it's very dumb. Especially because, like, when Trigon is around and her armor is activated, it looks more like a traditional Wonder Woman or Wonder Girl costume. Well, she also grows more armor when she's fighting Superboy early on. Mm -hmm. It's just like she can power it up if she needs to. But yeah, it uh, does look like a Wonder Woman thing. She's got like the Greek like face yeah. framing thing. Like, yeah, and so the next page is Trigon riding through Times Square, crushing all these humans. And like... Also, Again, Simon kills a random woman in just the to middle do it. of the attack. Yeah, like, she's like, they're both hiding. And he goes, get away, lady, I was here first. She's like, but, but can't we both hide here? Die! <laughs> <laughs> and then Trigon just, like, notices him somehow. Hiding, child. You have power almost beyond imagining. Why live in fear? It's like... You you know about my powers, but... To be Trigon is to be power. And then Cassie comes in from off-screen and says, 
want to talk power? Let's. And she By punches him, like, across Times Square. <laughs> By my eternal eyes of damnation, I felt that! <laughs> she literally... And to be clear, <laughs> he falls Trigun face is as first tall a as a building. He falls face forward into a bus. <laughs> this dude is as tall as a building. She punches him across a city block, and he slams into a school bus. And then he, like, Hulk Loki, like, slams her into the ground by her hair. And then he's like, oh, your dad... Imagine how much powerful you would be if your father raised you. Which makes me go, huh, did they change it so her dad isn't Zeus anymore? Because that would be very dumb. <laughs> also, again, running back, the mystery of Cassie's dad, a storyline from 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, so, Kyle and Miguel show up. And they, like, rescue Cassie because he's, like, holding on to her. Yeah. Um, Superboy says, here comes the boom. Yes. The, the, the Superboy gets off a bunch of dumb, like, catchphrases. Also, yes, they did retcon it so that her father isn't Zeus. Zeus is her grandfather. Her dad is a dude named Lennox. who is a son of Zeus. Uh, so we get like a group shot. They're all like, we're doing our hero pose against Trigon. And Solstice literally does not have a line of dialogue. <laughs> Everyone right. says something except for Solstice. Who is here? Because she looks cool in a group shot. Uh, and Beast all Boy Miguel like says is Madre, Madre de Dios. Um... <laughs> Because, did you know he's from Mexico? Did you know that he is from Mexico? We have not referenced that he is from Mexico or that he is gay in a couple issues. So we're going to remind you in a terrible way. Right. Anyway, Los Angeles. Beast Boy looks like he's waking up from a fucking bender. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So he's in the Ravagers comic. Yes. Whatever the fuck Ravagers was. That was the Deathstroke book. That was... Slade, um... Oh, well, technically. Like, Slade is around, but, like, Rose and Tara and Beast Boy are in that book. Like, basically, the Titans who were, like, weird, you go in this book. (laughs) Um, So, Gar's, like, in a collapsed building, and somebody strokes his face, and he goes, Tara, is that you? And it's Raven. She says, no, I'm Raven. <laughs> um, and she says, she says, why do humans visit such harm upon their children? It is almost as bad as the living hell of my father's realm. So it's like, oh, is she supposed to be a good guy? Because she's like upset at things that are evil. Yeah. She says, how can this be? I sense Trigon here on Earth, but father was still gathering his forces. Why would he invade without me? And Beast Boy goes, hey, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And then she (laughs) mind-thralls Beast Boy. Who probably would have just agreed anyway. Literally, they barely even talk. She just immediately mind-controls him. And it's like, what? And 
this was the most confusing part for me is this Raven Beast Boy thing. Because, like, how does she know who Beast Boy is? And then why does she immediately, like, mind control him and teleport him to where Trigon is? Well, she, like, watches shit happen, right? Like, she was watching the whole thing with Tim and Cassie. I guess. Uh, But, like, so they're fighting Trigon. I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. She teleports in with Beast Boy while the Titans are fighting Trigon and says, Beast Boy, stop these children from laying hands upon my father. So it's like, so is she on his side then? She wants him to think that, she wants Trigon to think she's on his side. as a reader, I don't know what the fuck she's thinking. It's extremely confusing. Yeah. Uh, Also, Trigon hits Bart (laughs) with his own memories. Yeah, so... The Trigon fight is, like, Trigon is, like, hitting Miguel with, like, an Uno reverse, with, and his bricks are, like, covering him. I think he also does it to Connor, because Connor goes flying. I think he uses his tactile telekinesis on him. <laughs> um, so Trigon mind whammies Bartor with his future criminal memories. Which makes it, this future, like, costume he's wearing, he looks like Inertia. I don't know who that is. So Inertia is a clone of Bart from the future who helps the rogues murder him in the present. (laughs) And Um, then, as punishment, Wally West returns from the Speed Force and then steals the speed from his cells so that he is frozen (laughs) in time. (laughs) And he sticks him in the Flash Museum and makes him watch them build a memorial to Bart for all eternity. Um, and then Solstice sees Simon, who's just, like, kind of standing there. He's, he's like, like, hey, don't you worry, good? I'll get you out of here. And he's like, <laughs> I, my, I've been mind whammied. Um, so then Raven appears with Beast Boy. Beast Boy, like, makes his entire bottom half just, like, amorphous tentacles. That's so many tentacles. He does not turn into a beast. He just summons a bunch of tentacles. It's it's like a comedic amount of tentacles. And Tim says, what are you really after, Trigon? Which is supposed to excuse the next three issues of nonsensical bullshit. Because you're supposed to be like, ah, oh, he's playing the long game. Ah, it was Trigon all along. And so... This next next sequence of pages is insane. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Solstice <laughs> and Simon are both grappled by Beast Boy tentacles. Solstice says, we'll get you out of this. Don't be afraid. And he says, I'm not afraid. Trigon was right. We have power. Regular people are too stupid to know they should be scared of us. Then Solstice gets shot by bullets that shred one of Beast Boy's tentacles, there is a panel of, like, soldiers, and they're like, by order of the president, stop. And then Simon says, drop dead, and kills the soldiers. And then Beast Boy says, you killed those people? And then Simon says, you're next. And then Beast Boy says, I'm gonna ground your grind your bones to dust. And then the next panel is just both of them passed out, and Cassie says, 
they canceled out each other's powers. How? <laughs> what the fuck? Simon's powers are, I kill you with my mind. I think really hard about dying and about you dying and you do it. Uh, Beast Boy's powers are, I am an octopus man. How do those two things cancel out? And then the next panel is Tim saying, those soldiers, they were killed in the line of duty. And there's like a comical pile of bodies. <laughs> Literally, it's like 80 dudes all piled on top of each other like a string of dominoes that have been knocked over. And like, this would be- It's like, it they were just trying to save people from Trigon. If, if this was like, played more to be, Tim is traumatized because Damien, uh, Damien died. And so seeing these people dead freaks him out. This would have worked better. But instead it's like, Tim Drake loves the troops. <laughs> to um, a dramatic... <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Tim is very concerned that about the PR of this situation. <laughs> and then Superboy says, was this Trigon's plan all along to make us look bad? And then Raven says, I cannot say Superboy, but know that I would not countenance murder even in Trigon's name. It's like, what, is she on their side now? Who's side? Why are they talking to her? Why How does she... she know her name is Raven? I think they hurt. Wait, no, you're right. She she doesn't say my name is Raven. They immediately, like, there is absolutely no introductions. There is no hey, who's that? They just immediately start acting like she's part of the team. <laughs> when she does not exist prior to this. And then you realize Trigon has disappeared off screen. <laughs> Literally, like, he says, I believe this is starting to be fun again while the Titans are flying at him. Then it cuts away from him for five seconds and he's gone. It's, it's very dumb. It's very Vince Russo. Um, and this is the obligatory wrestling reference. Vince Russo was a writer for the WWF and later WCW. He is kind of infamous for writing a bunch of bullshit that doesn't make any sense. Where it's like, why would anyone do that? Or why are we continuing to do this? Like, there's a storyline where it's like, whose side is Kane on? Is Kane on his own side? Is he working with The Undertaker? Is he working with Vince McMahon? And it changes, like, every fucking week. It's unclear who fucking, who he's working with. That's Raven here. Absolutely. Like, and I hate to be the one to bring this up on your podcast. It feels like a Ruby episode. <laughs> like, it's literally just... And then a thing happened, and then a thing happened, and then a thing happened. And there's absolutely no, like... There's no rhyme or reason for it. The thing... Like, if you're gonna have Khan talk to Raven, they have to have a moment where they realize Raven is here and go like, Hey, who's that? Because Raven pops up and says, Beast Boy, stop... All she says is, Beast Boy, stop them from uh, touching my father. She doesn't say, I am Raven, daughter of Trigon. <laughs> Blah, 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 blah. Trigon does not announce, Raven, my daughter. Like, she's just not even, here. 
I'm not even saying this in like a cinema sense plot hole kind of way where it's like, oh, she didn't say her name. How do they know her name? It's like they don't even acknowledge that she's what there. just happened. They don't. They they're like, hey, why did you do that? They don't even go like, hey, that's weird that two people just appeared out of nowhere and, and grabbed like us. grappled us. Like absolutely, there's absolutely no acknowledgement of anything that's happening. Like it's, Cassie it makes is me mad feel at, insane. Yeah, like Cassie reacts to Tim going like, "Hey, I tricked you guys." They don't even like try to fight Raven. They're angrier um, at at Simon. Yeah. So next issue, um, Tim says those soldiers you killed them, and Raven says they were here to protect people, and it's like. Why are you in this conversation? <laughs> and then Simon's like, they were going to lock us up. Don't make me the bad guy here. You know what? <laughs> and Simon's and then got Solstice a point. is like crying. <laughs> and so like Solstice crying and going like, hey, just people got caught up. Like Tim and Raven are like, the soldiers, the troops. And Solstice is like, Holy shit, why did all these innocent people get killed? What the fuck? Everyone is flipping out about these soldiers as though a fucking 30-foot-tall demon man wasn't just attacking How them How are we more concerned ago. with these soldiers than we are with Trigon? Literally, the only acknowledgement that Trigon left is in the narration box, where it says the pan-dimensional warlord they fought against may have left. When did he leave? We don't see it. They just realize he's gone. Um, and anyway, so they, they, Bart slams Simon's face into the concrete, um, and they he, knock he him out. He the dog fuck out of him. Because <laughs> we, we see seven or it's five stamps. It's just bam, 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 just bounding him into the dirt. And then Cassie says, "Guys, don't forget." Raven's father is the guy who caused all of this in the first place. Huh? How do you know who she is? How do you know she... I, that's my dad. assumption How is that she heard her say, Beast Boy, stop them from touching my father. But again... No, they're having a conversation as though Raven has been part of the team and that they know her deal. It's like, this woman appeared five seconds ago, fully, fully formed. Like, how are they just... I, I don't understand how they're having a conversation like this, okay, as though on. they know um, what's going. Anyway, so uh, they knock out Simon. Again, there is a comical pile of bodies. Yes. Did you ever play uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night? Yes. You know that one boss that's made up of a bunch of corpses? <laughs> it looks like that. Um... Yeah. Uh, and so they're like, well, it looks... She's as shocked as we are. Uh, and uh, fucking Trigon in hell. Yeah, we just cut to Trigon and he's like, I'm back in my fucking room with my sons. With my boys. Uh, and he says, uh, he says, my beloved Raven, you never fail to disappoint. One at a time, when I need you the most, you appear to have thrown your lot in with these children I want to note here we find out that Raven 
is in fact working for her dad at the end of this arc. Okay, but she's not. But <sighs> because it ne- I literally looked up Raven's fucking wiki page. I skimmed every single story she appears in. That never comes up again, as long as this iteration of the character exists. They have this moment at the end where it's like, Father, I have infiltrated the Teen Titans. But it never, it never, never, nothing ever comes of it. It's one of those fucking MCU moments, and then they just never follow up. Yeah. She uh, never is like, oh, by the way, I'm secretly evil the whole time. Yeah, um, but like, if that was the plan at some point, why then is Krygon pissed off here, other than to trick you, the reader? Exactly. Trigon has three sons, and one of them is, like, tied up to the rafters, and then the other two sons are, like, doing a fucking comedy routine, like the two little guys from Hercules. I was gonna say, they're, uh, they're pain and panic. Yeah. Better him than us. And then he's like, shut up, don't draw attention to ourselves. <laughs> he's like, to what end, father? To broad purpose, my lord? To spy on your ungrateful cur of a daughter? Your sons have served you loyally for nigh an eternity, yet you remain ever fixated on our sister. That's and because now... Raven is the key to the seventh kingdom. For all my power, I cannot rule Earth without her. Eighty percent of this issue is fucking Trigon backstory. That is so fucking stupid. Trigon is dressed like Madeline Pryor in this panel. Is my note. It's literally, like, we did not need this much fucking backstory for Trigon. We did not need these many fucking Trigon loincloth shots. It's... I'm gonna try and cover... I'm gonna try and skim it, like, really, really fast. It's, like, a long time ago, um, he was, like, the manifestation of evil of, like, a bunch of different planets. Um, and he got bored of just, like, killing people, so he's like, I'm gonna fuck women. And I want a daughter. <laughs> um, and Trigon, of, hashtag girl dad. I think this is in the 23.1 issue, which is like a, they did like a bad guy issue and it's just another Trigon backstory. Mm-hmm. But it's like every woman he impregnates like kills herself because she doesn't want to have his baby. Jesus Christ. Until Raven's mom is like, I want to have your baby. <laughs> and Trigon's like, yeah, I needed her mom alive. So that Raven could learn creation. I so that Raven could I learn love. Yeah, because he, he says I wanted her to recreate the seven under realms in her image, and it's a very like gender essentialist like a mother could teach. She needs a what mom for learned. creation. Like to be fair, it's because he's a demon, but still. Yeah. Anyway, Raven gets put in the fucking Azeroth realm and it's like hey raven was in azeroth and then the phantom stranger brought raven to me for some reason number one (laughs) for some stupid ass reason the phantom stranger (laughs) took it it says phantom stranger's reason was put somebody with a slight bit of good and implant her into trigon's forces and it will like bust up his forces and then Trigon's like haha didn't work <laughs> you stupid bastard and so 
they do this thing where it's like, oh, actually, I was in the hyperbolic time chamber. So it's like, it's only been two weeks since Phantom Stranger surrendered Raven, but in the Under Realms, it was like years, and we conquered kingdoms, <laughs> and this is the fucking plot of Thor Ragnarok. This is also the plot of Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when Rydia falls off the boat, and she's in the, um... <laughs> That's exact. Remember, Ridian falls off the boat into like Cecil and Kane and Yang. It's been like three days, but for Ridian, it's been like ten years. So they conquer like the Hell Realms or something, and he's like, "Take your place as queen of this Under Realm," and she's like, "I'll make you proud, Dad." And then he's like, "It was only for show for me because I guess she's a good guy the whole time." Again, her blackened heart was elsewhere. Like those but, who rule, she sought companionship. If not lovers, then peers. If not friends, then allies. She knew she would one day rule the earth, but she was determined not to do it alone. She watched and waited, determined to bend them to her will. And she's looking in her little fucking blood goblet, and she sees all the titans and also beast boy for some fucking reason <laughs> <laughs> so and then one of trigon's sons is like humans are dumb <laughs> humans suck why would you turn out the like, family for aid why are they the mob what is this and then he's like oh she's making you look weak trigon and then he like jumps at trigon and trigon like throws him into a wall with his mind and then pain and panic are like ooh I didn't do it that guy's a fool he's a fool father a fool a fool and then Trigon says don't fail me and then they he says away and they teleport to Times Square where the Titans are and Cassie's so, like, I know you're in league with Trigon. And he goes, I have no, she says, I have no reason to lie to you. Get your finger out of my fucking face, bitch. That feels like a little bit of a reverse of the volume three Titans when Rose is pointing her sword in Cassie's face. And she's like, get that out of my face. It's out of my face, Rose. But like Rose and Cassie having beef, like at least makes sense. Like, to Cat to Rose, Cassie is, like, she has the image that Rose would like to project. She's this very, she comes off very kind and people like her. Rose is, like, she has, like, the bad girl image. People view her a certain way. And they have, like, this natural tension because one of them wants to be viewed the way the other is. And the other doesn't really care. Uh, this is just like we need these people to argue yeah, so uh, a news helicopter shows up and Raven like blocks their vision of what's going on to try and like do right by the titans Bunker wakes up Beast Boy who apparently they know already yeah they met him uh, once uh, during all the nowhere stuff uh and they're like, okay, let's get some answers out of her. And Tim Tim says, be care back off, Wonder Girl. 
I'm serious. For the moment, Raven's the closest thing we have to an ally. And Raven starts to, like, demon out. And she says, I will not be spoken to in this way! I am Raven, the only begotten daughter of Trigon! I will rule this planet someday! And I will not tolerate your disrespectful attitude any longer! And Cassie decks her, and she's like, Whoa, that was weird. Anyway. <laughs> and it's apparently like when Trigon's sons appear, it like sent like some kind of surge of demonness, and it made her like wig out for a second. Yeah. So now they have to fight these dickheads. So uh, next issue twenty. They're referred to as the brothers Trigon, which is whatever. Sure. Uh, so the titans are like lined up this panel I want to say this first panel on the first page of this of Tim and Raven implies a closeness that doesn't exist these characters met 30 seconds ago um so anyway they're lined up to fight the Trigon brothers and the Superboy says tactile telekinesis again Literally, I call this just... tactile telekinesis <laughs> so they they split up so they can split up the brothers um, Beast Boy turns into a T-Rex Raven like puts soul self energy onto Superboy so he can go through the fire. Yeah. That one of the brothers is like shooting at them and then he just punches him. It's this feels like filler. It's literally just they split up and they punch the Trigon bros. Yeah, like Cassie and Bunker fight one of them into Central Park. Um Cassie's outfit is extremely one shoulder now, even yeah, more than it, it was in the last. It is issues. now one whole arm. <laughs> uh, um, Bart gets like possessed. He gets like demon energied. It's like they're not controlling his body; they just make him evil. Yeah, and then it cuts to like fucking the X Files. <laughs> I fucking wish. God, this, this would be so much better if fucking suits, Scully and Mulder like, were here. <laughs> they're just watching the everything unfold on the monitor. Yeah. Uh, um. So anyway, they're they're fighting the Trigon Bros. Red Robin is like, um, oh, good thing my nitronomous wings can cut through anything, and he like cuts one of their hands off. Whatever the fuck his wings are made of. Ah, someone has studied their Necronomicon is a real line in this. Um, <laughs> Implying that they're just just copies of the fucking Necronomicon laying around. And then Gar and Raven are like having like a fucking moment as though as though they, they know each other before. He says, uh, this is your family. If anyone knows how to beat them, it's you. Which is a fair deduction. Raven says, I'm worried that I don't. I spent so much time running, I don't know if I can stop them. And then Gar says, that was back when you were when you were alone. And you're not alone now, Raven. 
you never maybe you never have to be alone again and it's like huh you guys met today <laughs> you met her five minutes ago and she immediately mind controlled you get the fuck out of here um cassie um, uses her lasso to like hold this dude in place while Miguel drops like a fucking castle on him he says I'm coming down on you like a ton of well, well you know, you know. <laughs> anyway um Solstice throws a brick at Bart's head he falls <laughs> down and then he's unpossessed and then they kiss and then Raven fucking does a scorpion and rips her brother's heart out in her bare hand and then she says it'll grow back I just wanted to make a point fucking come on I do like this this art this, the artist did change here and I do like like Raven here whenever she takes the hood off I, I do like the look on her there um, they are extremely inconsistent about how Raven looks in this book yes they they are um, I want to say this in the nicest way I can about uh, their depiction of Solstice, who looks like... I know I just said I like this art, but she looks fucked in this panel. The one where she's kissing? No, or... the one where they're standing next to the pile of their bodies. Oh, yeah. She looks like a smacked ass. Just... What and the then... fuck? So they managed to beat the Trigon bros, and they're like, yeah, we did it. And they throw them in a pile, and they're standing around. And then... Trigon uh, comes Tim is like, Tim is like, Trigon's not gonna let this go, is he? And Raven's like, no. And then Trigon reappears. Indeed, my daughter! And you shall be the one to lead that conquest. I shall even let your friends, your new friends, be your dogs of war! And uh, Tim goes, Raven, don't. And Superman goes, shut up, Red Robin. You're not in charge anymore. Because uh, now Bunker, Connor, Cassie, and Bart are all on chains. So now I it's... I wrote... <laughs> Sorry, good. I was going to say it's Tim, uh, Raven, and... Tim, Raven, Beast Boy, and Solstice versus the four of them. This is, again, this is the story that they did this exact beat in the original Trigon story, except Raven, now fully under her father's influence, creates creates shadow versions of the Titans who then, by killing them, the like the, the real Titans kill the fake Titans, and in doing so, fall under Trigon's control. Because that's what that that gives that that's giving into his influence. That's this story done much better. This is just ah, and then Trigon possessed them, and it's like then why doesn't he just do this all the time? I wrote in my notes, this story is literally draining my brain cells. What in the fuck? So Trigon disappeared so that he could send in his sons so that they could get their butts stomped so he could just appear again. So we could have skipped all that. He there was brought, no reason for him to disappear and send him. the sons and then come back. If I was reading this month to month, I would I, I, I would mail a flaming bag of shit to Scott Lobdell. 
um, this cover art on issue 22 is so bad. I like the colors. I think the colors are very nice. They look like they're being fucking dehydrated. <laughs> it looks like Trigon is hitting them with like an oldness beam. They look, they look like they're, they look... On the, they're on the beach that makes you old. <laughs> so, Beast Boy is a monkey. He gives a quick plot summary. Uh, this, I wouldn't want to point out, uh, for some fucking reason, this page that has the title of the, uh, the issue, Dark Titans, for some reason, for that title, they decided to write that in the KISS font. <laughs> and they can't even say it's not, because that's the fucking stupid KISS lightning bolt S. So Raven is basically like, I can hold them off by making shadow clones. <laughs> and oh. she does that. And, you know, they, it and goes even, fine, I guess. Even while possessed, Superboy is talking about his tactile telekinesis. <laughs> they write this book like it's 1980. Uh, and I mean that so derogatorily. They read it as though you have not read the previous issue, and instead of summing up what these characters can do, like, I love the Marvel version of this, like, in current X-Men stuff, um, it'll have, you know, your intro page, and then it'll have, like, a data page, where it says, like, hey, here's what happened in the last issue, here are the characters, here are their powers. Yeah, exactly. So you don't have to explain it every time, and you can save that space on the page. You don't need characters shouting what their fucking moves are. And it's not even like they're shouting their moves in a cool way. Right? It's not fucking Bleach, right? There's no Getsuga Tensho. It's just my tactile telekinesis. Um, my super speed. Like, god damn it. They talk about Bart's, like, memories that he's slowly recovering a little bit. Yeah, uh, Raven um, Raven's says trying to like convince them all to like shake off the control. Mm -hmm. She's like, "Guys, I know you're in there, because that's what you do when people are mind controlled." But Raven does not know these people. She says, "I sense a great kindness from you, Bunker. If anyone is strong enough to shake off," she says, and Bunker goes, "Shut up!" <laughs> um, and just grabs her face. Beast Boy turns into an octopus the size of a building and just like completely covers Trigon and then Trigon throws him off and then Red Robin just like appears from above him and stabs his eyes out from the back with his uh, with, his, with his fucking wing blade. inner trite wings capable of cutting through anything in theory anyway yeah, uh, I, I would like to point out they also gave Jason stupid blade wings. Scott Lobdell really likes blade wings. Trigon said, uh, Trigon calls Tim the heart of the Titans, and then he says, I'm not the heart of anything. I'm just a kid doing his best to keep other kids safe. 
and then he says safety is an illusion freedom a mirage which Remember? i think is a quote from metal gear rising revengeance <laughs> <laughs> what matters tim is the memes <laughs> Trigon's five seconds away from saying I'm gonna make America great again. <laughs> the fact that that phrase is in fucking Revengeance years before and like all the other like shit Like one happens. year. Revengeance came in like 2013. Anyway, you're never gonna guess what happens next. <laughs> Trigon, Trigon just leaves. Just leaves! Just fucking leaves! <laughs> Like, Tim stabs him, he rips his wings out, throws him, and he goes, See you later, fuckers. And just takes off! And then, he's literally evil smiling at Tim, and he's like, I'm gonna get ya! And then he just disappears. And they sit, the, the Titans are like, Oh, my mind is clear. And Raven is like leaping at them, like with an evil face. And she's like, I'm not convinced my father left them untainted. If even a fraction of his evil remains, I must tear it from there. And then Tim just hugs her. Yeah. And he's like, It's over, Raven. And she's like, Oh, thank you. The, I want to say. It's like, again, they met five seconds ago. They met today. They met, they met in the runtime of an episode of Monday Night Football. Um, I, I want to say um, the face that Cassie's pulling in this panel where they all fall to the ground she looks like she just caught the worst Charlie horse of her fucking life <laughs> Gar decides that the best way to wake up Cassie is by turning into a lion and licking her on the face and Cassie says her first thought is that this is Tim or Khan <laughs> I mean Girl's got her priorities. Girl's got her priorities, I guess. Uh, just getting fucked on, apparently. Good for her. Beast Boy calls Superboy giant Dude, pet heck, lad. <laughs> hey, you, you're the one with the, the huge tits, right? <laughs> uh, um, so Miguel's like, how are we supposed to clean this up? And then the X-Files guys just appear and fix everything and then leave immediately. When these people first showed up, I thought that this was fucking Amanda Waller again. <laughs> yeah. This is the problem when you make a character who used to, like, an a character who had a certain look for uh, a long time now look like anybody else, is you think that everybody else is that person. Yeah, they also take Simon into their custody, which is the resolution of Simon existing. Yeah, in and they were like... Arc. They were like, oh yeah, uh, about those soldiers, uh, that didn't happen. Yeah, the fucking soldiers that they were so concerned about, they're like, oh, by the way, that was an illusion. <laughs> and the dude goes, why? And they go, well, ask Raven. And she's like, oh, he just wanted to fuck with you, basically. <laughs> like, yeah, my dad's an asshole. What? <laughs> and then Bunker's like, you seem familiar, have we met? And she says, no but I also owe you a debt somehow. Let's not meet again. Bye. And then they're back on the boat. Yeah, several hours later, the sun has risen over New York City, and a new day has begun for the Teen Titans. Hey, um, you know what's really fucked up? Hmm. 
Raven is wearing like a crop top and pants. She's not wearing pants. She's wearing like a mini skirt. She's wearing pants in a later panel. <laughs> On this first panel, she is for sure wearing a skirt. Yeah, but then she's wearing pants. It's fucking she's, stupid. She's wearing a fucking matching little outfit. It's like <laughs> whose clothes are these? Raven? Well, they're probably Cassie's, but it's like Raven is just wearing normal clothes. It feels fucked up. Anyway, they're on the boat. Raven's there now, and she's like, "Oh, thanks, Gee, um, guys. Thanks for saving me from my evil dad." And then, whoever's wearing a black T-shirt, uh, that's which Connor. I think is Con. Yeah. <laughs> Him wearing flip flops is also fucked. <laughs> uh, Tim asks her to join the Teen Titans, and she's like, "But my dad's evil." And Cassie's like, "That's fine." And uh, she said, I don't think you guys have to worry about anything from my dad any longer. I believe this was about testing the metal of your leader. And he ultimately worked through all my father's machinations. And Tim goes, huh? And uh, it says, you gathering everyone onto the boat and making them dependent on you for home and heart so that you could call the shots. You taking the battle to the government, burning bridges in your wake and making an enemy of Commander Waller. Your intimate and Why did she tell them this? <laughs> she does not need to tell them this part yeah she reveals that Tim intimately encountered both of them and everyone is like oh jeez <laughs> the look that fucking Bunker gives him is so funny <laughs> and then she's like that was crazy I'm gonna go to bed and then she like she like communes with Trigon and she's like don't worry I infiltrated the Teen Titans which as we established does not come up again. up again yeah because I think Labdell gets moved off the book and they drop it so like that's dumb <laughs> and then Bart punches Tim Super for kissing off. for kissing um Kieran and Tim's Kieran. like yeah you know I probably deserve that like he, um, he just eats it Khan also looks pissed off. Because I guess he didn't know that Tim and Cassie had been sleeping together. And also, why is Bart in this panel twice? Wait, what do you mean? The panel where Tim is saying, um, right before he gets punched? Who is that in between Khan and Cassie? That's, that's Bunker. No, it's not. He has black hair. And he's standing over there. But that's... So over... On the far left is Gar. That's... It is the exact same hair as Bart. It's... Yes, it's an inconsistency. That's supposed to be Bunker. Oh, my fucking God. Because he's wearing the same shirt that he says... That he's wearing when he says to, uh... He says to Tim, like, Hey, man, I need a minute. A few minutes. Anyway, Bart punches Tim, and he's like, I probably deserved that. Which, he did, he, no. eh, eh. like, if you're from Bart's perspective, I guess. But, like, no, Tim didn't do that. <laughs> Trigon made him, like, influenced him to do that. And they go back and forth on whether or not he is possessed or whether or not Trigon has, quote, freed his inhibitions, which just makes him into a horny, power-hungry freak. 
Why does Solstice have microbraids in this one panel? <laughs> Don't ask me that. Uh, yeah, she goes to talk to Bart, and she's like, Bart? Tim was under the influence of Trigon. And he's like, you weren't. Leave me alone. <laughs> and then Which, he, like, gets that's very fair! Him. Yeah. Um, he gets pulled into a portal, and that's the end of the fucking arc. That's the end of Bart. Uh, he he disappears. <laughs> it's the but, end of Bart. Like, legit, this is... He goes off to an arc where he's like... Where we find out the truth about him, and then that character is never seen again. So, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> this story arc was really fucking bad. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I, um, I want to say this. Tim acting this way was very strange to a lot of people. Primarily because if you go back and you read basically any Tim Drake story where anyone is trying to, like, fuck him, he's like, I have, like, more important things I need to be doing. I, I gotta go do my fucking Taekwondo, man. Get off me. Um, <laughs> like, there's a story in I don't remember what issue but it's early in his solo run where he and um, his girlfriend at the time Ariana Zherchenko who I I've, uh, contractually obligated to bring up every chance I get uh, Ariana goes out with a guy like behind Tim's back uh, and she tries to tell him about it and Tim falls asleep so he never finds out about that I don't think um, but that dude like tries to fuck her and she's really upset by it. And this, like, in her mind is like, well, maybe I need to just do it and maybe it won't seem so... She's like, well, maybe if I go and me and Tim, like, sleep together, then I, I'll i feel better about this whole thing. And so Tim goes over to her house just thinking, like, oh, we're going to watch TV or whatever. Note, Tim is, like, 15 here, maybe. 14 or 15. And she comes out of the uh, out of her room in like a like lingerie, and he goes, "Hey, what the fuck?" And she's like, "Yeah, I think that we should, you know, do this." And he goes, "I disagree." <laughs> uh, he's like, "Look, that's a very like big step, and I don't think we're ready for that." Then later, uh, like Stephanie makes a mention when they're together. Uh, she one calls him boy virgin at one point, which is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> when Tim finds out she's pregnant, he goes, did I, am I? And she goes, no, fucking, you fucking virgin. We haven't had sex. No, I'm not, you're not the father. Idiot. Um, and Tim. she, she refers to him later. She says, um, Tim, if I had to wait until you were ready for anything. If I had to wait for you to initiate anything, I'd get less action than an, agoraph than an agoraphobic hermit in a monastery. In a one-man monastery. Like, when things do happen with Tim and Stephanie eventually, because I do think that, like, they, they're together for years. It probably happened. She's always the person who has to initiate it. Tim is like, he's not, like, maybe shy is the word, but he's not, like, He's not a character who thinks about sex often. He's not a character who is, like, driven by, like, a desire to fuck. Uh, 
And so for this storyline, for Tim's secret inhibitions to be this like fucking playboy who's fucking around with his teammates behind everyone's back is weird. And it's a very out of character thing. And for the whole thing to be like, well, I'm updating these characters, uh, you know, um, you know, all the stories you remember are still there. It's like, no, clearly not, because this doesn't make sense for this to be the same guy if this is what he's doing. It's like, it's not like he even interacted with Solstice that much before this or after this. So it's right. like, the Cassie thing, I kind of get, but also they were already hooking up, apparently. Yeah, but it's unclear on how long Trigon was influenced him, influencing him. <sighs> Uh, Do you, can we talk a little bit about issue 23? Yes. I know it's not technically part of the arc, but yeah. they, they save Bart, whatever. Um, but the thing I want to talk about is the Cassian Khan scene. Mm -hmm. So basically, like, Cassie's, like, chilling on a rock, and Khan's like, you okay? And she's just kind of like, eh, shit's going on don't really know how I feel about it and he's like that's how I felt when I heard you and Red Robin were making out that's that's what we're gonna call it um, she calls him adorable and she says that Tim being possessed just gave him permission to be who he wanted to be which is yeah so no. so does Tim want to control everyone's life and do e evil smiles and stuff? Like, Tim, to me, I've always read Tim as being, like, very obsessed with being in control, but being in control of himself. He's not, he needs to be... He doesn't have some deep, dark desire to, like... Control everyone else's actions. But yeah. he wants to always have, like, the ability to, like, what's the word I'm looking for? The ability to be prepared for anybody else's actions. Because uh, he knows that he can only control himself. Also, yeah, um, here's where Khan asks, he's wait, so did you want to sleep with him? And Cassie goes, yes. This <laughs> feels like... Um, this feels like like Lobdell was writing this like like issue 17 came out and everyone was like like hey this is fucking rape and Lobdell was like no it wasn't cause she wanted to sleep with him like it and feels like he, that's why he's writing this yeah but Khan does say so you wanted to sleep with Red Robin and she says uh yeah he's hot who the hell wouldn't and he goes, me. And it's like, that's... Alright. You tell that to the internet, pal. You tell that um, to, to a decade of fucking people who've been writing this character... Writing these two characters. And Cassie says, Look, Con. Can I call you Connor? And he says, okay. So he's Connor now. <laughs> like a flat okay. And she goes, look, I like him a lot. But, like, he doesn't own me. And... Uh, I make my own decisions, I do what I want. He's like, okay, what do you want to do? And then they start making and then, out. Yes. 
this fucking pose from Cassie while they're kissing. It's, it's very weird. I don't like it. It's criminal. It's <laughs> what is happening with her like hips. Anyway, I just want to talk about that because it's like the aftermath of that, I guess. The uh-oh, we fucked up. <sighs> this was a mess and a half. Also, Tim does say, like, hey, if something happens to me, they're going to look to you to lead them. And she goes, me? That's dumb. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> no, they fucking wouldn't. They would turn to Cassie. What are you talking about? This book is bad. This book is really, really bad. Yeah, also... Gar just is on the team and they never talk to they, him. They it. never. Has Gar spoken? Like, he doesn't talk that whole scene on the boat earlier. He's uh, hanging out in the pool with, with Miguel. Miguel. Yeah. But that's it. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, so. Don't read new 52 teen titans don't read new 52 blank frankly um like so few of these books are good um like new 52 batman is good uh because fucking snyder and capullo know what they're doing um new 52 aquaman is good new 52 green lantern mostly just ignores the reboot it's the funniest thing is that like i think they just continue an existing green lantern story is it fuck it fuck that <laughs> Yeah, they it just did. Kept going. <laughs> Which I think rules. Um, I read I, Green Lantern New Guardians. Mm -hmm. I read I, some of that. I did read the Red Lanterns book, which I liked. Uh, um, what about Blue Beetle? Arguably, maybe okay. I didn't like it myself. I could go back and give it a shot, but I really liked the pre-existing Blue Beetle stuff, and so... Starting over on a character... Again, Blue Beetle is a very new character at that point. Like, Jaime has only existed since 2006. So, when they reboot everything in 2011, to push the reset button on a character who has just finally, firmly been established, it's very weird. Oh, wait, I thought that was the first Jaime book. Never mind. Yeah, the first Jaime book is very good. Uh, doing it, it over 2006. is like a terrible fucking idea. <laughs> so yeah, um, this book stinks. Uh, the new Fifty Two stunk. Uh, it was a was uh, absolute failure. There was a guy ass. who was in my uh, TikTok comments a few weeks ago who was like, "No, Scott Lobdell wrote good stuff before and after this." It's like, did he though? Like, Generation X, I've talked about it. Generation X, they, he writes a character that people really like in Monet and then decides, no, she's actually two eight-year-old girls in a trench coat. Um, with uh, an early 90s uh, idea of autism. Like, it's... And, like, that idea was so poorly received that they immediately took him off the book. He did that and he, like immediately they're like oh fuck get this guy out of here and they bring in they bring in like Larry Hama to like fix it we need like anyone to fix this we need somebody to fix this and so like you can tell he's the only writer I can think of who every run of his recently 
it's always written plot by Scott Lobdell, words by blank on multiple issues. They just wanted him to be like their new guy, it feels like. Well, yes, the thing is, Jim Lee... The fact that he was on three fucking New 52 books. Yeah. Uh, They gave him Superman not too long after this. Uh, Also, this issue ends with Bunker leaving. Um, He has to go back to Mexico to be with his boyfriend. To be with his boyfriend who finally woke up out of his coma. Uh, Bart leaves pretty soon after. Well, Bart gets slurped into time travel court. Yeah, and then I think Kieran goes with him. Well, what happens is the Forever Evil event happens, so everything immediately gets fucked up. Yeah, uh, Forever Evil ends with Nightwing seemingly dying, uh, but not really. Uh, Like, everyone finds out Dick Grayson is Nightwing, and then it's a whole thing where he dies, and then they immediately revive him after that. And then he goes undercover as Agent of Spiral for a while before getting put back into Nightwing when Rebirth happens. It's... This is a a point in time where DC Comics are in flux. Uh, Where there's very clearly an idea of what they want to be, of what Dan Didio and Jim Lee want it to be. Like, the reason Scott Lobdell and all these guys who worked at Marvel in the 90s are getting these gigs on, on these books is because Jim Lee is the publisher. Jim Lee, like, you know, he was an artist for the on a lot of the X-Men stuff in the early 90s, and so he worked with a lot of these guys on a lot of his stuff, namely Scott Lobdell, Fabian Nicieza, um, there's somebody else who, like, kind of made this jump over. Like, guys who weren't really getting a lot of work in Marvel anymore, he brings them over to DC and lets them, uh, lets them do whatever they want, really. And it, it it's very mixed results. This will probably be the last New 52 episode we do. Um, unless there is something that is actually, like, good. Like, maybe we do a New 52 Aquaman story at some point. But I've aired my grievances. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I on used a positive to... note? Yes. Yeah, uh, do you want to, like, recommend a actual, like, a good Teen Titans story arc? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um... Realistically, I really like, you know, not the, Judas Contract. You already did that. One. I already did the Judas Contract. I already did Terra of Trigon. Um, when uh, like the in Volume Three, I really like uh, the period where Cassie takes over as the leader of the team. That is, I think, my favorite period of the Teen Titans. Uh, like, it's very quietly like a very good point in time. Uh, so Tim leaves. This would be like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Um, and so Cat, the, the team is Cassie, Aqua Girl, Blue Beetle, Static, Tracy 13, sometimes kind of, uh, Kid Devil, who is now just Eddie, uh, Ravager, and Bombshell. And I have like a really strong affection uh, for that team. Um, Oh, and, there you go. And so there's that. Uh, there's also... Uh, like, I, I really say just read the Perez and, Wolf- and Wolfman stuff. Um, 
like really the second Perez and Wolfman run. Um, so Terror of Trigon on. I think that's really just great stuff. Um, you know, they the thing is the Teen Titans have endured for a very long time because they're in the same vein as the X Men. A they are a uh, you know a team that a lot of people can just really easily like look at and go I like this character I like these characters and when you have these team books you have these built in dynamics and you can really play around with them and so the Teen Titans I think in a lot of ways I'd say kind of are more like I think if you asked like the average person like our age group more of them have fond memories of the Teen Titans than the Justice League. Um, and so I think that this book is not emblematic of what makes people like them. Um, and it's, it's a bummer to know that there's like a bunch of people, you know, who would have been getting into comics for the first time around this time and grab right. these... Yeah, but like it would have grabbed this book and been like, "Oh, these people all suck." <laughs> like yeah. the Peter um, David Young Justice run is also a good run with these same characters uh, depicted much better. I don't really know other Teen Titans comics, so I'll just say, if you want to see an adaptation of the Trigon storyline that is better than this. Uh, watch Justice League versus Teen Titans, the movie. Yeah. Uh, or watch uh, fucking Teen Titans season three. I, I think everybody who has wanted to see Teen Titans has seen Teen Titans. That's a good point. Um, thank you all for hanging out with us uh, the last couple of hours. Uh, we will be I think I know I said that uh, I might do three episodes this month but I just remembered uh, in the last week I have something I have to do the last week of this month so it might not be then it might be the first week of February um, but uh, as always you can follow the podcast on Twitter at MCMF pod you can follow me at Archer Arios uh, the A-R-X-H-E-R-A-R-I-O-S the X is a C don't make me explain it Chloe <laughs> Arx Hararios. <laughs> um, this has been episode 36, I think. Um, uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch y'all next time.